That is about as lame as anything I've ever seen on the internet. Coming from a government site. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's March 21st, 2010. Time for your Gimmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 184. This is no agenda. Deconstructing the Mututinal Media from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center, and Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. Hey, all the weather reports say that it's supposed to be sunny today. It's not. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. That's my word of the day. Matutno. Yeah, good work. Do you know what that means? Is it a real word? Yeah, matutno. Okay. It means in the morning. <laughs> oh, somebody gave us a bunch of those. Yeah, we should be using a couple of those once in a while. Yeah, these are good words. Words that matter. In the morning to you, my friend. In the morning to you. Yes. How you doing? Fine. I uh, Hey, I brought back the daily source code. Yes, I understand you ran it on Friday, and everybody thought it was fantastic. You know, I actually, I don't think I've received a single negative comment. And, uh, and of course, it's important. Oh, you will. <laughs> Eventually. Uh, it's important to point out that uh, this is because of the donations to uh, the No Agenda stream, the sustaining producers, um, that I'm now bringing this back. Yes. On a, uh, I, I, I'm going to try and, I'm not going to promise anything is what I'm going to do. Yes, please. We, we have a problem on this, on this show. Promise. Promises. Over, under, under delivering. But, uh, you, 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 you want to do it twice a week though, right? I would like to. Yeah. I would like to. I'd like Let's to do it's a, a lot of work. That shows how long did that one run? Uh, well, the show run ran about an hour and five, an hour and 10 minutes, but you know, it yeah. takes time to prepare. I spent a whole afternoon just doing the opening. Oh, okay. You know, you know, all these shows take time to prepare. Even even if you're just playing records, you know, it takes time. Records. Listen to me. Records. Remember? <laughs> I heard that. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, he said, my goodness. Records. I said records. <laughs> Give me my records, everybody. You know, records are coming back in fashion. Vinyl is uh, actually selling quite well these days. Yeah, it is. Uh, but only for retro use. And it's just crackpot nowadays. Vinyl is no, actually no, no, crackpot. No. You know, companies like Chrysalis are releasing uh, vinyl regularly. It's not crackpot. It's, Apparently, there's uh, only a few guys. There, there was a special on one of the TV shows. Only a few guys can still do the vinyl. They pulled out most of that gear. So there's like three or four shops in the whole country that where there used to be hundreds cranking out vinyl discs. Yeah, and then apparently the equipment's not made anymore, so they have to you know uh, kind of uh, scrounge to keep the things working. So I don't think vinyl is going to be even possible to be manufactured in the next, uh, say maybe twenty years from now. I remember I did a documentary of Jamaica once, and we went to Tough Gong Records. You know Tough Gong? No. They are, well, they are the, the original Bob Marley label, and this was the original um, Jamaica Sound uh, record label. And it was a real tinny sound. Uh, no, it was. It was no. It was really. It was the only place where they could press records. Yeah. And uh, it was cool because they actually took a uh, took a a demo track down uh, recording and they pressed it right onto uh, onto vinyl. There, it was kind of fun in the old school way where they're actually throwing the goop onto the platter themselves by hand. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I, <laughs> what is that? What is that goop made of besides vinyl? Polyvinyl chloride, mostly, as far as I know, and I and there's some binders in there, and there's also some uh, carbon, and then there's some lubricants. Hmm. It must be. Uh, it must, it's all petroleum based, though, right? As far as I know, it's yeah, it's plastic. Hmm. Okay, so uh, as a green initiative, we should ban all vinyl. 
We should, because it's causing global warming as we speak. So um, the seventy eights were made out of some other stuff. Oh yeah, uh, those things would break if you picked up a stack and they weren't uh, neatly aligned. You go, oh crap, and half of them would break off in your hand. Yeah, yeah, it was called uh, shellac, but it wasn't. I don't know what it was. What I actually should look into it. I should shellac. know these things. Yeah, you should shellac. Hey, John, uh, as we get underway, um, you know, a lot of people email us and say, you know, that, that beginning banter you guys do, that that's very hard to get people to get into the show. <laughs> because they're like, what are these two assholes <laughs> no, talking about shellac? On this. <laughs> what, one guy's got shellac in his hair. Is that, what are they talking about? So do we have two schools of thought? No, that's the best part because you guys get to talk about things that are kind of, you know, and then other guys say, you're boring us stiff. We want news. Right. But one thing we're not, we're not going to stop doing, which is telling people who the executive producers are. Right. Lay it on me, Johnny boy. So we got uh, th- uh, three executive producers and two associate executive producers. Okay. I'm ready. I am ready to. One, one, and actually we got three nights today, which we'll do later. Holy moly. Really? Well, one of the knights is a black knight, John Aaron, uh-huh. who is also the executive producer uh, uh, who gave us a uh, ten twenty four. So huh. he, yeah, he says I, he was going to buy a new TV, but he doesn't need it. He'd rather give us the money. Good you know, man. Let me who tell you something. Last about? night, last night, against my better judgment, we watched a movie on TV, and um, it was on A and E. It was Traffic. Which I think I think I'd seen before. It's with Michael Douglas. It's about the. Yeah, uh, I wondered. I, I saw that on the on the listing, and I was thinking to myself, "Have I seen this movie before?" I think yeah, so. you probably saw, you probably have. He basically I, becomes. I went a, to watch C-SPAN instead. Yeah, I know. Well, I I made a huge mistake, and I wound up you know prepping until one thirty uh, because of it. Because what happens is it, it was it was unbelievable. They would do seven minutes of movie and five minutes of commercials, and the commercials consisted of panda bears with snorkels. Uh, all kinds of psychedelic crap like uh, ginger ale bottles talking to me. And then there's this Dairy Queen commercial that has a female mouth with a male voice. My brain was exploding every seven minutes. They'd interrupt the movie for five minutes of commercials. You And I vowed, that's it. I am never again watching a movie on a broadcast station ever, ever, ever. So you're right. You might as well just give up your whole TV. It's worthless. It doesn't work. It's broken. <laughs> I'm totally in agreement with you. I mean, it's broken. This, and the whole model of these guys, they got to keep more advertising going in because they're just losing their shirts. Ugh. All right. Executive producers. They must be losing their shirts. Anyway, John Aaron, I want to thank him. Uh, Rob C. Locke in Calgary, Alberta. Um, who gave us uh, three sixty nine twelve to so he could become he, he, he's total up to be a knight, but he's also now an executive producer and. Dwayne Melanson, 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 Melanson. Yeah, Melanson. With an L or an N? E M E L A N C O N. But it's but he but it's, it's Cajun. It's or or, or French. <laughs> He's tasty. <laughs> He's yum. Okay. Now, uh, well, excellent. Wow, man, this is going to be a big production. We've got three executive producers. That means uh, this is a big, big show. Yeah, we got two co-executive producers. Let's. Uh, um, by the way, Melanson is. Uh, he, I think he may may have been from uh, Louisiana, but I think he's from. He, he, he is listed as being in Tigard, Oregon. You know, Tigard and and uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Tigard. 
Anyways, T I G A R D. Very funny. Yeah, very funny. Three sixty five. I'm a I'm a hilarious. So now I, we have uh, yeah. Lee Ryan and uh, Pepper Fleming. Uh, Lee Ryan two fifty five ten and Pepper Fleming gave us two hundred fifty bucks. And they're the associate executive producers. And um, TV pop quiz trivia. Who was Pepper? I don't know. Come on, man, Pepper. Pepper, don't you Pepper. remember? It was a, it was a fantastic television series. Cop show. Pepper. Come oh, on. it was, uh, wasn't it, uh, uh, what, what's her, it's a woman. It was yes, a woman. Pepper. Yes, you know, yes. The problem with Pepper, it's, a, it's a ambiguous. You don't know if it's a man or a woman. Yeah, well, it reminds me of, come on. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, what's her name, the, the, the actress. That, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't real. It was an actress, John. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know who it is. It's, uh, Angie, Dickin- it up, Angie, like, yeah, Angie Dickinson do. is policewoman. Yeah, and Pepper. Yeah, we used to watch that religiously. I loved that show. She was hot. I was like, oh. well, when I think of Pepper, I think of Pepper Rogers, the former coach of the UCLA uh, Bear, uh, Bruins. Anyway, Pepper's in Sarasota, and Ryan Lee's in Ashland, Kentucky. And uh, might as well mention Kentucky's uh, got a good shot at winning the uh, basketball championship this year. So I'd like to thank our executive producers for episode 184 of No Agenda: John Aaron, Job, Job, Rob C. Locke. And Dwayne Melathon and our no, associate- no, no, uh, William. Uh, we've got one more. Sorry, ah. the, we had three executive producers. The other one is William Arcand in Draycut, Massachusetts. He was. Well, wait uh, a minute. So we have. Four. Oh no! Wait, I take it back. No, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Oh. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's the knight. He's the knight. Oh, well, okay. who's who's the knight? William Arcand, John Aaron, and Rob Seelock are all knights. And our executive producers are John Aaron, Rob Seelock, and Dwayne Melanson. You're right. You were right. I'm sorry. All right. Well, you know what? You you really suck because, you know, it's like I'm trying to do these people some, some props here, and you're just messing it uh, up. Just so quick. You, 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 okay. You, John Aaron, Rob Seelock, Dwayne Melanson, William Arcand, who is a knight. And who will be we will be knighting later along with John and Rob and our associate executive producers for episode 184 of No Agenda, Lee Ryan and Pepper Fleming. And uh, we really appreciate your support for the show uh, with a with a credit roll like that. You know, it's going to be a huge show. You can take this. You can put it on your resume. You can uh, you can always have us reference you uh, or uh, or vouch for you if necessary. And of course, you get to go out and adhere to our very simple formula, which is this. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And for those of you with a knighthood, soon you will be able to really hit people in the mouth. With your knighthood ring. So uh, I want to mention one thing with about Rob Seelock. Mm-hmm. He was complaining that he's donated before and he's never. Uh, yeah, this but we, this is a real problem, John. I mean, no, you, no, no. You hey, are that, in well, charge. Wait, 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 wait well, you're going to predict what I have to say. Tell me what it is. No, I'm not going to predict. I'm going to predict what I'm going to say. I'm going to predict that I'm going to say you need to take better care of the administration of sponsors, supporters, donors. Yeah, Whatever I, I have a, it's, it. a, it's a big list. So, that, but Seelock was complaining that we that we've never read his little comments, and and I have to say, and by the way, it's Ryan Lee, not Lee Ryan. Okay. okay. Yeah. L- it's luckily, Ryan uh, luckily, we've, we're paying Eric to sit in the in a special chat room to help in out. In Ashland. A bit here. 
<laughs> At least I got the Kentucky part right. Now, anyway. It's not funny. It's just not Steve funny. Rock, well, it's fine. If you want to just sit here and spend time berating me, I mean, if you want to waste minutes and minutes of the show, that's one thing. But if you want me to just finish this little commentary up, it would probably be better. Please finish. He invited us to Calgary uh, anytime we want to go. And he's buying the beer. Although not officially a, um, a PR associate, I do give honorable mention to Mander Waymaster, which I believe is an alias, for a fantastic idea on how to propagate the show. And he sent along a screenshot, which he's posted on his Flickr site, which I uh, have put into the show notes at noagendashow.com. Uh, he says, why don't you have everyone change their uh, Wi-Fi SSID, that's your Wi-Fi name, to noagendastream.com. And he sent along uh, uh, a picture of his. And I think that's a pretty good idea. That's because, a great idea. Because not only does it promote uh, our URL for noagendastream.com, but it also identifies you. And we probably should have a universal password that you can use <laughs> if, uh, if you come across a noagendastream.com Wi-Fi access point. Well, let's put it this way, since you don't want everyone opening up their uh, systems. But many of the new routers, if not all of them, have the ability to have a second uh, sub-segment. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. And so you can have like a, like a little, uh, it doesn't give you the full bandwidth, but for an emergency use or something, you can get, go on there and get your email. And that's what you want the password for. So if somebody has no agenda, if they have one of the new routers, usually an, you know one of the uh, uh, N routers. The, the whole the whole chat room is like, hold on, switching windows. Yep, done. <laughs> Everyone's doing it as we speak. Eight hundred two eleven dot N routers. All almost all the new ones, the good ones. Ha, you know, you can when you set the router up, you'll see that the secondary uh, uh, connection is available. Okay. And, you can, and we and the password is in the morning. Yeah, so so if you have yeah, and it would only be on that one. Don't do it on the. I, I don't advise doing it on the main. Connection. So wait, so you can do it's a secondary, and then what can you do? You can only like do certain things. You can't really get onto the network. What does it? What does it allow you? You can get to on do? the internet. Well, perfect. So you just set up your secondary um, uh, password. Right. I had never even seen this. I didn't know that yeah. existed. Oh yeah, I got two routers here that do it, and uh, it's actually, actually it's it's for guest accounts. Essentially, say you have a little small company and you're uh, and you want people to come in, but you don't want them on your network necessarily, and you don't want to deal with all the complexities of keeping them, you know, with this you know, off of it. You just set up this guest account. Which is a, a which is kind of segmented off from the main connection, and it it get, lets, allows people to go on the internet. Wow, we just had a massive split on the IRC channel. Okay, this I mean this show is getting out of control. Yeah, and then you complain about me not being able to handle all these. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should stop while we're ahead, <laughs> while we're still alive. How's that for an idea? Yeah. So um, I have many things that we could talk about today. Of course, way too many things, which keeps propelling me. You know, we're, we're, I think we're making a mistake. We keep going longer and longer on the show, and, I, and maybe we should no, just... No, we have to keep the show under two hours. And, and we have to go to three, three a week. It just makes no sense. Because you know how much stuff we leave on the table? Just, okay, remind me. Please remind me to talk about the Pope's letter. Okay, talk about the Pope's letter. No, I don't want to talk about it now. Uh, Why el not? Elders you're first. You're going to forget to talk about now, it. Now, elders first, please. You 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 did a lot of work. I see you got a lot of clips. You got a lot of stuff. You've got something on your mind. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to you. Anyway. So, so uh, 
And by the way, have you gotten a, oh, anyway, uh, what's the clips? Let's do a clip. Let's yeah. do something lighthearted. Yes. Oh, something, so like some real news or? Nah, I wouldn't call it real, okay. real news. It's one of these, uh, you know, the law and order kind of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, is this bad act? Is this any good? No, no, this is, well, it's always bad acting. This is about, this law and order, which was a rerun, but I had not seen it, was pretty good because it had two, two uh, different propaganda pieces in it. One of them was about how evil it is to be texting while driving, and you could be killed, <laughs> murdered. <laughs> oh, you really? It. You could be murdered if you did. Oh, yeah, because the guy was murdered. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he was murdered by a bunch of, here's this, and this is the second propaganda piece. He was murdered by a bunch of nutcases that are on the internet on some sort of a, uh, you know, uh, a vigilante site where, where they would go after people and uh, nice. name their names, put their addresses, make people harass them so everybody got phone calls and stuff like that. Okay. So to get a feeling for shows, this particular show, the, one of the clips, I think it's named something. Of, what's the Law and Order clip name? I've got have... Crazy Woman and Dialogue of the Devil. Yeah. Dialogue of the Devil? What's the, what's the other one? Crazy. Oh, Crazy Woman and Dialogue of the Devil? Yes. Use dialogue. Well, I didn't know if it, was the, it could have been one clip. Why, why are you so touchy today? Play Dialogue of the Devil. You're lucky the judge didn't throw your case out entirely. She's living in the 20th century. Words on the internet have consequences. Yes. Now, I, now love it I, I love it already. Words on the internet have consequences. Those words can kill you. Now, I want you to listen to the thing from beginning to end with it in mind. As What if it was a radio show? This would be like the most surreal dialogue and everything, you know, imaginable. Okay, like, here we go. You're lucky the judge didn't throw your case out entirely. She's living in the 20th century. Words on the Internet have consequences. Actually, she's living in the 18th century when the Bill of Rights was written, which on balance is a good thing. Well, if it weren't for what people on that website said and did, Carrie Sands would have never murdered Sid Maxwell. Yes, but now you'll have to forget about the said. I'm dropping the charges against the cheerleaders, but I'm still moving against the guy who ran the site and the people who sent out the photos and the door Code. They'll say they were only encouraging people to send Maxwell a message that they never intended for him to be killed. They were dealing with a crazy woman. They didn't have to intend for her to kill him. If they recklessly disregarded the likelihood that it would happen, they're guilty. Uh, good luck. Thank you for sharing the information about this accomplice of the devil. <laughs> Okay. It's almost like one long non sequitur. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's just one thing and then this devil thing. They just I mean, throw they're just throwing mind control at you the whole time. It's just it's nothing. And then the other one, which is about the woman, this woman was a psycho and um and she well you, you can play the woman the other clip and you'll 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 get it. Miss Sands if you don't mind. Could you come back and sit for a minute? We checked accident reports from three years ago, and there was no report involving a taxi and a child. I saw it happen. And you do 
have a daughter, but she didn't die. Social services took her away from you because you offered her to a Catholic church as a human sacrifice. <laughs> I don't believe in human sacrifices. Miss Sands, were you at Mr. Maxwell's apartment Friday night? He was getting messages from the devil. <laughs> Who was? <laughs> Mr. Maxwell? Not just him. He tells them whom to kill. Who tells who whom to kill? Mr. Maxwell? The devil? May I please see a lawyer now? You know what I don't I I don't know what's scarier this clip or the fact that you watched this and took time to record it into a clip and then actually email it to me. Think of all the wasted time. What is the point? I love this stuff. It's it's completely nuts. <laughs> They've gone off the deep end with this kind of story though. And the great part about it for people out there who like the John Stewart show, the guy who was the evil webmaster, the guy running the website was Rob Cordry. Oh, that's funny. That's and, uh, the bald guy, the the, yeah, the bald guy. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty funny. So I mean the whole thing was hilarious. So uh the Pope uh, wrote a letter. Aha. I heard that he did. Yes, and uh, and I actually was stupid enough to go and download the letter and read it, in which he basically says nothing. You know, instead of, hey, I'm sorry we covered this up for 25 years, which is what he should have said. Actually, I, I, uh, I have a PDF of his letter. I highlighted a, cu a couple of uh, choice bits. Can I give you a, a point of irony about this whole thing that yes. I actually found amusing? Yes. Is that you remember when the economic collapse took place right at the beginning? All these Europeans, the Scottish banks and Ireland and most of the EU. Oh, it's an American problem. Oh, it's an American problem. We got we the Americans are idiots. Right. right. It was the more the mortgage crisis. Oh, the Americans uh, overextended themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, of course, when the when the Catholic Church in the United States started falling apart because of the uh, or the scandal started happening all over the place. Same thing. Oh, the Americans. Oh, it's got nothing to do with us. It's just those crazy Americans, those pedophiles over there. You know, which was what five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years later, we see this happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is it's it's quite amazing. And of course, I'm referencing uh, a huge number of reports and lawsuits and people who are coming out uh, that they've been uh, severely. Um, abused by uh, Roman Catholic priests and uh, in Ireland. I actually have a, you know, an audio clip that I want to share with you. So anyways, the Pope has to come out and he has to say, uh, well, uh, sorry. And uh, what he should be saying is, you know, wow, I can't believe we covered this up. I'm going to like uh, fire all these guys. But of course, he was part of the cover up. Uh, so I, I download this letter, which is like, Ugh. it's like eight pages, you know, a couple of bits here. It is true. As many in your country have pointed out, that the problem of child abuse in in peculiar, which I find in in peculiar, yes, I say in particular. That's what I thought, but it says P E C U L I A R peculiar. This was on the PDF. This, this is this is the actual PDF. Yes, huh? That's just a typo. <laughs> Does the Pope not have Microsoft Word? Apparently this not. This is killing me. It says, uh, so sick, I will say, S-I-C. What does that stand for, by the way? It means it's wrong. Yeah, thank you. Child abuse 
is peculiar neither to Ireland nor to the church. So uh, right now, right there, he's saying, hey, you know, this shit happens all or all over the place. How does he know that? Yeah, he gets memos. Certainly among the contributing factors, we can include inadequate procedures for determining the, the suitability of candidates for the priesthood and the religious life. Insufficient human, moral, intellectual, and spiritual formation in seminaries and novitate. What is this word? Novitiates. Novitiates. A tendency in society to favor the clergy and other authority figures, and a misplaced concern for the reputation of the church and the avoidance of scandal, resulting in failure to apply existing canonical canonical penalties. He's not even talking about law. He's talking about church law. That's what canonical is, right? Uh, Apparently. So, uh, so I start to get into this. Oh, actually, he has a he has a like a ten point uh, ten points here listed and numbered. Can I ask a question? Yes. At the very end, does he have a little happy face he drew on there? (laughs) A little smiley. (laughs) To priests and religious who have abused children. Here's his. Here's the whole message. You betrayed. Cut it out. Yeah, here it is. You <laughs> cut it out, dude. You're making us look bad. You betrayed the trust that was placed in you by innocent young people and their parents, and you must answer it before Almighty God and before properly constituted tribunals. Again, not saying you should really go to, to jail. You have forfeited the esteem of the people of Ireland and brought shame and dishonor upon your confreres. Those of you who are priests violated the sanctity of the sacrament of holy orders in which Christ makes himself present in us and our actions. Together with the immense harm done to victims, great damage has been done to the church and to the public perception of the priesthood and religious life. Uh, how about the kids, Popey? How about the, there's not a single word. Anyway, I, 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 I can go on and on, but that'll be annotated and I'll uh, drop a link kind in the show notes. an interesting point. Yeah. So um, now we got to get to uh, this clip uh, of one of the abused. Now it's uh, it's a guy speaking. So they had um, something called the Ryan. This has been brewing for a long time. Something called the Ryan Commission report in Ireland, and uh, this part was televised, where uh, people were you know able to ask questions of uh, law enforcement and ministers and say, hey, you know, ministers as in uh, ministers of parliament, and, you know, what the, what the hell is going on? And it's amazing. It's kind of hard. You got to focus because he's speaking with an Irish accent um, and the YouTube video that I'm going to play for you actually has subtitles. So you may want to go back later and get it. Uh, but the key words uh, will be, I think, pretty clear. By the, question. by the way, when someone says they've been buggered, that's uh, that's basically violated. Uh, so here's a guy uh, who's it's 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 sad to hear what uh, hundreds of children went through. And this guy, of course, is now somewhat older, uh, as this is now just uh, really coming to light. Chairman, I'm surprised that Minister Darnell. First of all, Mr. Minister, you made a bags of it in the beginning by changing the judges. You made a complete bags of it. So that time, you know, I just I- oh, that's really pertinent point um on this ryan commission uh they had judges and then the judges were changed because you know we all know that the judges are involved and all the justice system is completely corrupt the world round and i think most of them are not most of them a lot of them are in on this scandal i went to the lafay commission and you had seven barristers there questioning me and telling me i was telling lies when i told them that i got raped of a saturday got a merciful beating after it 
and then stopped. He came along the following morning and put Holy Communion in my mouth. Uh, did you hear that? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's chill. This is chilling, John. It's chilling. You don't know what happened there. You haven't the foggies. You're talking through your hat there, and you're talking to a Fianna Fáil man, a former councillor, a former mayor. You're talking to that. What tooth nail for you for the party that you're talking about now? You didn't do it right. You got it wrong. Admit it and apologize for doing that. Because you don't know what I feel inside me. You don't know the heart I am. You said to his non-adversarial, "My God, seven barristers throwing questions at us, non-stop." I t- attempted to commit suicide. There's the woman who saved me from committing suicide on my way down from Dublin after spending five days at the commission. Five- so you need to go and watch. I, I think a lot of people might have trouble actually understanding what he's saying. It's, it seems I think so- it's very understandable. Really? It seems so easy when you're actually reading along, so I'm, I'm just um, cautious. But they, you can see how all of this was intertwined with the barristers, that would be the judges, um, who, uh, who basically dismissed all of these claims saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, nothing happened, you dreamt it up. You know, it just shows how these elite have completely intertwined everything. Five days I spent at the commission. They brought a man over from Rome, 90-odd years of age, to tell me I was telling lies. That I wasn't beaten for an hour, non-stop, by two of them. By two of them, non-stop, from head to toe without a shred of cloth on my body. My God, Minister, and could I speak to you and ask your leader, would you stop making a political football of this? You hurt us when you do that. So, uh... I put together a whole uh, list of links, and probably the one that is most amazing is from this uh, site that I've been following now for the past couple months called uh, AngerFan, A-A-N-G-I-R-F-A-N. And uh, AngerFan does some amazing research. You can't, I mean, we'd have to do three a three-hour show just on this topic alone, but is very capable of connecting the Pope uh, all the way down to Boys Town, which you and I have talked about. Mm. Oh, and uh, so you must read this article. And Boys Town, of course, is uh, um, is a, a, hu- a story that has been completely suppressed by the media, literally, because there's but there it, a- you can, but people are interested could easily track it down on the web. Yeah, well, there's even a link to uh, to the video here in the uh, uh, in this story. Uh, but this goes all the way through uh, George Bush. Uh, with uh, Lawrence King, who was uh, basically grabbing children from Boys Town in Omaha. Another a lot, a lot of interesting people live in Omaha, by the way. Just like to point out, not saying anything, um, but is very uh, just the 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 stories. And some of them you actually have to go into archive.org, and because of course they've been removed. So someone really has to do a cleanup on this whole on this whole blog post. And this is brand new, by the way. Um, it actually goes all the way through to the Watergate break-in, which, according to AngerFan, allegedly um, they were looking for the homosexual pedophile book, which was used to blackmail many congressmen and senators. And he can actually, or he or she, whoever this is, can actually connect 
all wow. of these pieces together. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic piece of research. It, it's just it's amazing. Then you've got uh, Operation Or. Uh, ORE, you've got uh, oh, you've got just so many things. And, and my favorite has to be uh, Tony Blair. And I did. We I guess we weren't doing the show at the time, uh, but there was at a certain point there was a um, uh, a story that was going to be published everywhere that uh, Tony Blair and his entire cabinet were linked to pedophilia and child abuse, and he put out what's called a uh, a, a D. Uh, what do they call it? A de-warning, or uh, I'm looking for the story here. Uh, Ten Downing Street has uh, an option to to kill something in the press where the, they issue a D status or whatever. That means you cannot publish it. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and they've used that many, many times. Let me see if I can just find this here. This. Uh, well, uh, it, it, the links are all in uh, in uh, in the anger fan uh, posting. And I and I I just have to say it again. This is rife. This is uh, all the way through all levels of uh, government, justice systems, uh, the the church, and um, it's bad freaking news. Now 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 now. What's interesting? Sounds terrible. Yeah, it really is. What's interesting is. Uh, you know, and we talked about this briefly on the last show, where now nudity is essentially in America being equated to pornography, and uh, I have a couple of uh, other links of uh, you know you have all these different tiers of uh, sex abuse, and everyone is being uh, deemed a sex offender. You know, you 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 pee against a tree, you get a sex offender uh, label. There's all kinds of weird. St- and uh, by the way, I'm all for. Uh, Stopping sex offenders, <laughs> nothing against that, but it's being completely misused. And the most egregious misuse of sex offenders and uh, uh, pedophiles and child killers has got to be what I saw on America's Most Wanted, where um, John Walsh interviewed President Obama. And uh, there's something called the Adam Walsh Act, you know, that uh, John Walsh's son was uh, abducted and killed. And that's what got him uh, started on this show, which has been on the air for a long time. It's probably like coming up on 30 years or something. It's been on the air for quite a long time. Um, and the uh, the Adam Walsh Act uh, has a lot to do with these three different tiers of uh, sex offenders and they're taking it in a very frightening direction. Let's listen to a little bit of this interview. To continue to build up the U.S. Marshal's capacity, that's something that we want to do uh, in our federal budget. We also want to provide some support for things like DNA testing at the state levels. You know, a lot of these uh, local law enforcement officials are just strapped for some of the basic resources, getting the databases set up. Those are all areas where I think we can provide a lot of help, and my expectation is, is that we're going to get support, bipartisan support, Support from Congress on this issue because it's so important to every family uh, across America, and there are just too many horror stories that uh, uh, you know remind us that we're not doing enough. So, apparently, the states are being funded to set up DNA databases. I didn't know this. Well, apparently that's the case. Of it, course, they're so backed up with criminal DNA investigations that to the tune of 90 days for most of them, according to testimony by the FBI, uh, that 
this, you know, when you start boiling down this DNA thing, besides the fact that uh, it's an invasion of privacy, to say the least, I, I think that Obama's like going on to this show because it's because if you if you can couch everything in the terms of save the children and do this and do that. Yep, yep. Uh, you you can get a lot more done when in fact nobody gives a crap about saving the children or they you know they take some things more seriously than other things. Uh, it's just a ruse, and the ruse, in my opinion, when it comes to the DNA, uh, is not this not necessarily the sinister government side, but the fact that if we start to analyze who again, and we've talked about this before, who was the number one contributor or one of the top contributors? What organizational or what what segment of society gave Obama more money than they gave to anybody in Congress and probably more than they gave to anybody combined? The insurance industry. The insurance industry at some point in time would love to get a hold of a DNA database for all their customers so they could say, well, and so they could pull the plug on you when you're 71 years old, knowing that you're probably going to drop dead when you're 72. And let me give you a little story about how uh, this all began. Do you, do you mind, John? I'd, I'd like, I really want to go in that direction. Can I just play the rest of this clip? Because it's much worse than this. Okay, go. The marshals have done an outstanding job. The FBI has done an outstanding job with the Internet crimes right. portion of it. With over 100,000 non-compliant level 3 sex offenders. Here's my commitment, John. Uh, we are going to do everything in our power, as long as I'm in the White House, and as long as I'm the father of two girls, to make sure that we're providing the states the support that they need to make this happen. The DNA portion of it is something that I hope to see in my lifetime, that every one of the states have uh, a DNA compliance. And now we have 18 states who are taking DNA upon arrest. England has done it for years. Right. Um, it's no different than fingerprinting or a book. By the way, that's a lie. Uh, England has not done it legally. There's huge debate over that. It's not not just a throwaway line like, oh, England's doing it. It's okay. That's bull. Photo. Since those states have been doing it, it has cleared 200 people that are innocent from jail. I, th I love that twist. Oh, you know, it could clear you. It could it could get you out of jail if it if the DNA can prove that that's a, a nice little throwaway line there. Now listen, it's about to get really bad. Think that this is something this country has to deal with. The, it's it's the, the right thing to do. And then, as you well know, John, this is where the national registry becomes so important. Making sure that not only are we getting these DNA tests done state by state, but then nationally, everybody's talking to each other. That's how we make sure that we continue to tighten the grip around uh, folks who have uh, perpetrated these crimes. Very difficult for me in a country that has done so many great things and, and, and so many things that we look up to, that the world looks up to, is that we don't have a DNA. No, it's, 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 it's not acceptable. Uh, and I, as, you, as you said, this is something that should transcend party. Uh, you know, whatever your attitudes about uh, politics here in Congress, uh, Congress should be able to do this. So now you've got 23% increase uh, in funding for the Adam Walsh Act. Let's see if we can start building on that. Uh, five years down the road, we can look back and say, you know what, we got a lot of stuff done, and we probably saved a lot of lives of, of innocent people and, and innocent children uh, from these predators. And I know you're a very loud voice for victims. All right, there you go. So the president vows to make uh, a national DNA database on the air. And uh, you're absolutely right, John. If people actually cared about children, they would be caring about a lot of other things like uh, real education, uh, real food, etc. 
And um, I do like your analysis that this is, uh, it's, it's probably not even about the children at all. It's probably, <laughs> you're right, it's probably about getting the insurance company's DNA data. Here, let me tell you the, how this all began. This about maybe 20 years ago, I gave a speech for Progressive uh, Insurance Company out of Cleveland. And this is before they were an insurance company, per se, before they came out with all their crazy, uh, you know, we'll give you the quotes from everybody, uh, which is, by the way, part of their uh, marketing plan, if you know exactly how they work. Progressive began, and I was fascinated by this, by the way. I think the people at Progressive are geniuses. These, they, are, these are the people who have the commercial with the man bag? Yeah. The European man bag. Yes. Okay. I got it. So they give you the, they give you the, uh, they, they give you the quotes that they, they have the database. They started off as a database company that, that did, uh, a, you know, actuarial tables and things where they would, they could analyze. And this was like a 20, over 20 years ago. They could analyze and they told, showed me all this stuff. They said, we can take a look at any one person in the country and, and take a look at their, uh, this is what advertisers always want to do. They figure you can click the button a few times. They got you nailed. They know exactly exactly what you're going to do. We can tell by the person's background, where they're living, what they're driving, and all these other things based right. on... It's, it's risk management. They need, that's what insurance is, risk management. Right, and they can tell if you're going to get into a wreck in the next 24 months. And so then they, they, they could... They, they used to just sell the data so people can take, you know, so the ins other insurance companies, it was the other insurance companies, so they could, like, figure out, you know, who the high-risk areas are, where the likelihood is the car's going to get stolen and all the rest of it. Then they decided, the second stroke of genius was to say, well, hey, if we can do this, why don't we start an insurance company ourselves and, and sell insurance, and we can actually pull this stunt, which I think is the genius part, which is that because we know so much, but we have so so much details on uh, on individuals and, and what's going to happen that we can tell that somebody like Allstate, for example, is going to give those people a quote of two hundred dollars a month. Right, and we the can cut it. They're going to no or more. We we can say, look, we can't afford it at two hundred bucks a month. They're going to lose money on this guy. Go ah. and so they could, they could push people in that direction. Say go, yeah, go buy the Allstate stuff, and they would do that because it, it, if essentially it's hurting Allstate because the progressive guys know that you can't do the two hundred dollar deals. It has to be two twenty five, right. and so and so then if they had somebody overpriced, obviously then they had the advantage because they had the data. Now insurance companies love this because it gives them the ultimate control. Now if they had DNA databases of everybody, they could tell if you have genetic issues with maybe you're going to get diabetes or maybe you're, you're prone to a heart attack. You're not going to live to be past 55. You're going to catch this disease. You're going to have that disease. You're going to get into this problem. You're going to have mental illness. You're going to have all these different things because that's what DNA can tell if, you know, once it starts getting analyzed to death. And so now you can say, well, here's an interesting old man. He's 71 years old. We have all the control in the world. At 71, we've made the money off and we're pulling his policy because we know he's going to die in the next two years and we don't want to cover it. Or, or all the medical insurance companies can pull the same thing. The reason that, you know, the thing about DNA and all the rest of these things is a lot of times it's a, it's a smokescreen for what people are really after and it's money. And the point, the fact of the matter is when people get all worked up about, and this, this one here being a privacy thing is, is amusing to me because it'll bring the privacy, uh, laggards 
out into the woodwork. You know, the people who say when you say, well, I don't care about, you know, all these cameras all over the place. I have nothing to hide. I've got nothing to hide. I've got nothing to hide. I've got nothing to hide. They keep saying that. Hey, buddy. In this case, you do have something to hide. Your future may be tied up in your DNA. You can get screwed over. You'll be pushing a shopping cart, Mr. I've got nothing to hide because of this kind of thing. This is the problem with people who are who are kind of lacked about privacy. This is just the you know the tip of the iceberg, the, the, the cameras, and then it goes to the, the next thing. And then, well, we there's nothing to hide. The cameras don't mean anything to me. Uh, DNA, I don't care. I'll give them the DNA. Nothing to hide. Right. The, the cameras are just a little stepping stone to the uh, to the next part which is uh basically making your entire body transparent exactly and the funny thing is is you know we had a couple of our uh, producers uh, students that talked about how they bring this stuff up in class and this i've got nothing to hide thing has become a very important propaganda point of meme if you will in the society uh because because the people who say that they're they're being led astray because they don't get it it's not about having something to hide or not having something to hide there's all kinds of sinister aspects to all this stuff and there's a good reason for privacy anyway so, so- this is why I don't understand the um, the healthcare package that I guess is being voted on today, or the healthcare reform, which of course is healthcare insurance reform. I don't understand um, how you ca- how any insurance company, in- unless the unless what we're being told, which of course I do believe is bullcrap, and there's you know it, it it means something else, and of course up is down and left is right, and it's always the other way around. It seems. I mean, how how can you tell? Uh, let me give you an example. So this is insurance, and one of the there are two big things on this. One is 32 million Americans who don't have insurance will get insurance. And and remind me to tell you about my daughter's great health care in the UK in a moment. Um, that no one will be denied health care insurance, but they're saying health care, and words matter, uh, based upon pre-existing conditions. Well, see, I believe this to be exactly the opposite of the truth, and it makes no sense. If you are in the insurance business, which is the risk management business, they're not, you know, insurance companies don't do health care. They don't cure you. They don't, they don't give you MRIs. They insure you against it and make sure that, you know, you can pay the exorbitant fees of this out of control cost. How can any business stay in business if, if essentially they're told you can't deny anyone unless they can't deny anyone by charging an outrageous premium. That's exactly what it is. That's the only thing that it can. In fact, that would be actually that would be great by mandating the uh, by mandating coverage for everyone, but also mandating. Oh well, okay, but you know, then of course someone's going to pay for the outrageous cost of covering someone with pre-existing conditions. And what happened to HMOs, John? Wasn't that kind of a, a groovy system? Am I crazy? Well, they're still around. But what isn't the whole idea of a uh, HMO, a health, what is it, health maintenance organization? or Yeah, or, or health management. Health management. Know. Wasn't the idea is that you had uh, a group of uh, doctors and hospitals and, you know, essentially, you know, they, they have their fees set. And, you know, you can't go to any doctor you want, but supposedly you can go to good doctors who are at these HMOs. And well, you pay Ka- a set Kaiser fee. Permanent, yeah, well, Kaiser Permanente seems to be the dominant player still in that arena. And is that, I don't know, it just sounds, I mean, you know, well, back, in, the, back in the day, you had to go to, to the doctor uh, on Main Street, and you only had one doctor, you had no choice. 
and uh, you brought him a chicken. You know, the well, the problem, yeah, but here's what's always, here's the, the elephant in the room that people keep not wanting to discuss, even though they keep bringing it up in Congress. Uh, I mean, if, you, if you've been listening to C-SPAN over the past few days, is where is, it's all tort reform. It's all, you know, the, the thing that's killing the, the health care system and the, the Democrats will do nothing about it. And, you know, John Edwards made himself a multimillionaire out of this. And somebody, the, the, the Tennessee representative Roe, who what is an MD, gave testimony over the last week discussing the fact that, you know, they they have these huge lawsuits where some woman had, you know, had her arm, you know, she they took her arm off instead of a, the, her appendix and they give her a <laughs> hundred million one. dollars. You know, because it's you know a hundred million dollars, and, and she gets forty percent of it. So she, you know, hey, John, gets I, I take it back. That your screw ups on the executive producers is nothing compared to that. <laughs> it's not like you can always say to me, Adam. It's not like taking someone's arm off instead of their appendix. So they would sue, and they but the, the lawsuit is. Is so over the top. I mean, it's so you know unbelievable that the, it's a, it's become a huge burden for doctors. And Roe testified that he uh, was a pediatrician. He says it's almost impossible to become a pediatrician nowadays because of the legal implications. Somebody has a child with a birth defect and you get sued. So you're, what Somebody you're saying? Somebody has a child me, with a missing thumb and you get sued. So, I mean, it's so like, let me break it down. So what you're saying is the reason why healthcare is healthcare, not insurance, but healthcare is so expensive is because they have to. Had their bank bank accounts and pay high pay high premiums for insurance against these outrageous lawsuits. Yeah, but yeah. This, but this is this it's is called, and they keep bringing it up as tort reform. But the Democrats, who are highly financed by trial lawyers who make tons of money off of this crap, they refuse to throw this in the bill, and so the, the escalating costs aren't going to stop. Somewhere we have to. Somewhere it went incredibly wrong, and my ex wife was like this. Um, it was always like I have a right. You know, and I have a right to be safe for everything, and we'll sue the cops if this happens, and we'll sue the airlines if that happens, and we'll sue the railroad if this happens, and we'll sue and we'll sue and we'll sue and we'll sue. Somewhere something happened where we have this belief all of a sudden that we have a right to entire cocooned safety in the world, and it's just not the way it is. And you fall in your bathroom, I'll sue the, the you know, bed, bath, and beyond. It's like, it's crazy. We don't. Well, there is no safety. Well, the problem is that you have. By the way, this is and a lot people of, make is, mistakes. By the way, oops. Yeah, yeah sometimes well, really big captain, ones. A lot of this is capped in some states, including California. So you can't do a suit for a hundred million dollars for the for the screw up. But the which you know. But the problem is that where you don't have it. You, I'm telling you, bring one of some per per poor person up in front of a jury and they have the sob story and yeah well you have nothing but sympathy for someone who had their arm taken off and so and then they, they paint the insurance companies and the medical guys and everybody's these great evil beings and the next thing you know you get these judgments that are unbelievable and this is the problem then they nobody wants to do anything about it because it's a money machine and uh you know, that's it's the Democrats aren't saying anything about it. Uh, and, and all they're doing is just this this, this phony baloney health care bill. You might want to play uh, young from Alaska, who um, who I think gave at least a, a highly amusing presentation uh, the day before yesterday, I think, uh, in Congress. I've listened to this debate and ready to I come to the floor if it doesn't consider Alaska. But this also affects Alaska. I'm one that believes in health reform. 
But anybody can tell me on that side of the aisle with 2,700 pages, and they say the new one is not quite that long as 2,000 pages, and what's in the bill. They don't forget to say that there's 160 new grant programs that have never existed before. There is 110 new agencies, Mr. and Mrs. America, that can issue regulations. There's 13 health czars. We're making them legal under this bill. And the big thing, there's about 1,200 pages of gobbledygook. <laughs> and I call it gobbledygook. I read one on the floor the other day. But this is on page 1181, a new one. In general, subject to the succeeding provision of this subtitle, in the case of affordable credit, eligible individual enrolled in the exchange participating health benefits plan, one, the individual shall be eligible for, in accordance with this subtitle, affordable credits consisting of, A, affordable premium credit under Section 243 to be applied against the premium for the exchange participating health benefits plan in which the individual is enrolled, and B, the affordable cost-sharing credit under Section 244 to be applied as reduction of the cost-sharing otherwise <laughs> applicable program and plan. And two, the commissioner shall pay the QHB... Oop, I just died before I could figure out what I could do. I'm sorry. Oops. ...EP offering intended entity that offers such plan for the health insurance exchange trust fund an aggregate amount of affordable credit for all affordable credit eligible individuals enrolled in the plan. Over a thousand page of gobbledygook. So, uh... I have... Yeah. Anyway, he goes on. It's an interesting complaint. The only thing he didn't bring up is the 16,000 new IRS agents. I know. And and as we know, uh, they've ordered shotguns. Right. IRS agents with shotguns to make sure that everybody Pay, is pays their dues. Up. Yeah, signed up and on board with the program. You will obey uh, John, let's uh, continue this conversation in a moment. I'd like to do our knighthood so we can uh, continue uh, without uh, having to break down and stop uh, because it is time to do the, the new knighthoods for this week. Yeah, we got uh, one black knight and two, well, actually two black knights and a regular knight. And black knight is someone who we uh, didn't knight at the time that they were uh, supposed to be knighted. And that's William Arcand? William Arcand of Dracut or Dracut. Sorry, I, I have a I have a special uh, Black Knight uh, sound effect here. In gratitude for your faithful service, <laughs> I shall knight thee, your most gracious Majesty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. William Arcand, uh, John Aaron, uh, who's now listening to us rather than watching his new TV uh, in <laughs> Broomfield, Colorado. And that's J-O-N, by the way. Yeah. And um, Rob Seelock, our friend in the what he calls is the oil capital of uh, North America, uh, Calgary. Let's uh, let's do William Arcan first because he is the Black Knight, and uh, we're uh, a little bit remiss that we missed him. Of course, he does get a much more cooler title. So, William Arcan, I hereby knight thee, Sir William, Black Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please sit down, have a seat at the ever-growing disc. <laughs> Disc. Sit down. What kind of, what kind of Sit ceremony down. is that? Well, well, I can, yeah, I, I, when I do that, I have this envision of a big round disc table, a wooden table, and there's mutton. And we're eating, uh, you know, big turkey legs with our hands. 
And who's at the head of the table, by the way? <laughs> well, that would be our next night, John. John Aaron, please kneel before us as you have disregarded the evil television. I now knight thee, Sir John of the No Agenda Knights Roundtable. And then our final uh, night, and it's nice to have uh, a night up in uh, Canada. Yeah, an it's, oil night. An oil, oh, yes, very good. Rob Seelock, kneel before us. Do you solemnly take the oath to take umbrage when shysters show up? Then I hereby knight thee, Sir Rob, knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please, all of you, enjoy our hookers and blow. And if you want to become a Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable, which uh, will include retroactively for these new knights as well, a, uh, a No Agenda Knight ring, which is probably the only premium we're actually going to do. Uh, so we also have the, the virtual patch. Yeah, we do. Well, that's true. We've, I, we're close to cut off on that. But uh, uh, the, uh, do, the support amount, the support level is uh, $1,000. Interestingly enough, John uh, went over that by $24, correct? Yeah, but 1024 is a famous uh, computer number. It's a magic number, actually. Yeah. It's a magic number. Next coming, 768. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 640. 640K. Um, and if you want to... enough memory for anybody. That's right. So uh, that's how you become a knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. It has uh, some very... First of all, you're a member of an elite club. Um, and uh, the knights are communicating with each other. There are, uh, you know, inter-knight communication channels, as well as... Uh, uh, well, we basically, we, uh, we jump in for you whenever you need us. We've uh, made phone calls for nights, and we've done uh, all kinds of things. And uh, that type of support for this program is absolutely necessary. As we started the show out, it is unbelievable what uh, media has become. Uh, I, so I'm so happy that John basically said, screw it, I'm not buying a TV, I'm supporting these guys. Uh, and you probably got off cheap if you wanted a, a, decent, uh, a decent television. Um. But you can, it's unwatchable. It's just absolutely unwatchable. And, and you think that you're like, oh, I'm just going to take a little break here. Yeah, and then you're stuck. Yeah, you're, you're, and, you're, and it's all kinds of, I mean, the craziest one, the Dairy Queen where they have a red female lip mouth with a male voice is very confusing. It's, it's very twisted. And the panda, disturbing. Yeah, the panda bear snorkeling with a shark coming up to them, and then they're selling chestnut shrimp. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> this is bad. It's really bad. And even uh, the national treasures such as NPR, the, and just pay attention to what they're doing. Pay attention. That means spend some of your mind span on watching what they're doing. It's filled with advertising. And, and therefore, they cannot be honest about all of their fantastic reporting. I'm not saying that they don't do some, but they can never be 100% honest because it will go right against their business model. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I think that what we're doing here is... Let me throw another one out there, why people, why we're doing it this way. Uh, I was watching the... We Tom got bills Hutton. to pay? Is that, is that enough well, we, for besides you? Besides the fact that we have bills to pay, yes. But we could, we could do the 
commercial approach too, and that would pay bills. But Thom Hartman, I, I watch his show occasionally. Ah, Thom, yes. Who's the uh, left wing uh, version of um, Hannity, maybe? And uh, he goes, and I've he- heard him get into a really good debate with somebody, and somebody's going back, they're going back and forth and back and forth. And he said, and just as the thing is getting interesting, he says, "Oh, oh well, we yeah, had a hard break. break right yeah. now. I got, we got to take a break. I will be right back right after this." And then they cut off the, the discussion, and the next thing you know, he's back with somebody else. I mean, these, this 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 soundbite oriented uh, approach to uh, media really doesn't work in an environment like we have nowadays. It's just it's 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 unnerving. I mean, you say you say the same thing when you listen to one of the talk show guys on the radio, which is the same ratio of two minutes of a talk to one minute of advertising. They get into a role or something, or they get something they want to say, and you know, unless they step all over. They're advertisers. They can't. They can't continue. They have to. And then you have to take a break. You get out of the mood. You know the whole. You know you, you whatever messages that you were receiving. And by the way, one of the things you uh, that is advertisers love it. In fact, if you can get the listener or the reader into a receptive mood. Yes, so words- exactly. You are so in tune. You are so open to information. And the and your your brain is wide open. It's like a funnel. And then all of a sudden, huh, what? and then you get the Dairy Queen uh, the male, female mouth talking to, like a guy. So in other words, when, when Adam and I are breaking down some story and we're maybe giving you a point of revelation where you're realizing that the, the, there's more to it than than the surface, and then you start it opens you up to thinking about things slightly differently. We don't want to put a commercial in there because that basically is exploiting the the moment, and that's one of the real problems with commercial radio uh, broadcasting. And it's not just commercial broadcasting. It's all and, and anything that's it's basically mainstream. Yeah, mainstream media p- particularly uses that method, technique. I, you know, when I'm at, at PC Magazine, oh. we actually analyzed this when the magazine was huge and thick, and they would it would essentially create an environment of openness because it would be a lot of new information, and as that new information was flowing to everybody, and they were learning things, and there were their their mind was adapting itself for learning because there's a lot to learn, especially in the early days of computing. That's the time you can really pound them with advertising because you can get people, you know, they're in the learning mode. And so the next thing you know, they're reading advertising as though it was, you know, gospel that they're learning. It's really, we can never do this show and we never will do this show commercially. This has to be done with donations. At, uh, at MTV, um, we actually had a coach come in this is early days, MTV, when uh, it was uh, it was no longer owned by Time Warner, no, it was uh, it was Viacom, and the coach would come in and help us with the art of the tease. And the idea was to, of course, that's the way it was sold to us. But it, I think the true the true meaning was something else. What we we're just talking about is to get people to come to stay with the entire commercial, which is the real programming, of course, to stay with all the commercials, to wait to come back for the big reveal. This isn't you know, what the cliffhangers are about. This is, oh, I was watching a Minute to Win It, which is this, uh, have you seen this show? No, Min- I never heard of it. It's actually a pretty good idea. It's basically pub games where, uh, you know, you, you have to do all kinds of wacky things you might do in, in the pub in England. Even, you know, it's, I think it must be a British format. And then, you know, will he make it? Will he be able to blow all of the cards off of the, the, the bottleneck except for the Joker? Oh, oh. And right at the reveal, of course, they break away to commercial. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, uh, but we actually trained. We were trained. We were trained to do that. And and the training was not to like, ooh, let's watch more music videos. You know, what could could it be? New Kids on the Block at number one again? No, th- no one gives a crap about that at Viacom. They want to make sure you see all the Skittles commercials in the meantime. You know what really annoys me more than, uh, you know, doing something like that on MTV is the fact that the news providers do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah. so you're watching the 6 o'clock news and they say... What new product could kill you? Will it be back in a moment? And then they they come back and they don't tell you. They put it off. And after this break, we're going to tell you what that product is that kills you. Yeah, yeah. And they do another one. And then Meet the Press is good, too. Near the end there, they always have like, we'll be right back. And then they come. And then then, uh, David Gregory comes on for like, and we'll be right back. He he, he comes back in between commercials. They do that on a lot of shows now. Even Letterman does that, where they they take a break and they get get your five commercials in, and then they come back with just a, nothing. Just a hi, we're back, and we're going to go back to commercials, and they go cut back to the commercial. There must be something. There must be some either they somebody studied it and they decided that people they can only put up with so many commercials in a row before they like brought back reality with a little blip in the middle. Yeah. Because, I mean, MSNBC does this constantly. Oh, yeah. They study this all the time. There's, there's hundreds of millions invested in this type of study and behavioral study. I know because I've been, they, they know exactly what your, what your eyes are focusing on on the screen. This is actually Dutch technology. Uh, they know where your eyes are looking in, you know, because you're not always looking at the, at the, you know, at the whole screen. In fact, you're rarely looking at the whole screen. You're looking at bits and bobs. That's why these, uh, crawls down at the bottom. Like uh, all the news channels do. Oh man, you you don't think you're not reading that? That information is absolutely getting into your brain, but you're focusing on something else, like the hot chick. Anyway, um, so we we spend uh, a lot of time uh, in uh, in preparing these programs. Uh, we're on the uh, and against better judgment, we're on the phone with each other a lot. Uh, too much. Too, yeah, way too much. And let me tell you, you think John's grouchy now? Talk to him off the air. And um, and all we want is uh, to provide you some value. If you think that uh, we've provided you with something that has made you think differently, look at the news differently, look at the world around you differently, then please support us so we can continue to do this and bring you more. Uh, and a lot of that more, more... depressing news. <laughs> no, it's not all depressing. But sometimes we have once while somebody bails out on us. They said they can't take it anymore. Yeah, we, yeah, and I think that's a lot of what I'm going to do on the Daily Source Code is help people to uh, put that into perspective. It'll be the antidote, the antidote for no agenda de- uh, depression. <laughs> no agenda depression. <laughs> anyway, who has been kind enough to help us? To yeah, I know. Who has been kind enough to help us? Uh, and support us this week, John. Well, we have a lot of 55 cans. And let me just read the people from $50 to uh, 99 uh, just uh, as, a, as a unit. John Kelly, uh, George Derhorst, Tom Hickey, Chris Moore, Mark Vandenberg, Brad Menicky, Theodore Thomas, Matthew Morgan, Anthony Farmusa. Nicholas Wallace, Brett Farrell, Scott Lowen, Vernon White, Avery Lee, Frank Agenstadt, I think, Uwe uh, Huzman, you, you have to pronounce that. Oh, yeah, you got to spell it for me. U-W-E. Uwe. Uwe Huzman, H-U-S-M-A-N-N. H-U-S or H-U-I-S? H-U-S is on here. Husman. 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 Uwe. 
Ua. He's from Germany, probably. He, Ua, yeah, he's a good guy. Christopher Grimm, um, Salvador, Salvatore uh, Barrera. And then we have a couple of people who did need some special mentioning. Uh, Common Sense Enterprises, Tampa, Florida, gave us a hundred bucks. Uh, VJ, now this is an interesting one. This is ninety nine seventy three is a student Indian. Uh, ninety nine seventy three, by the way, is the largest four digit prime number. Hmm. So Wait a minute. I, I thought I thought that the prime numbers were uh, infinite; that you couldn't actually stop. This is the largest four digit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, and he and he's a student. and He says he's uh, wants to be the youngest contributor, and he uh, he admits that the Indians are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, tell us something we don't know. The only Indian who's not cheap is Vivek Kundra because he spends like it's nobody's business. Vij, anyway, his last name is Karapati, uh, and I think it's pronounced uh, Korapati. So it's VJ Korapati, uh, and he. I asked him for a pronunciation, but when he gave it, Korapati sounds Indian to me. Uh, Somewhat, he, yes. Korapati. <laughs> William Hyatt, uh, Springdale, Arkansas, $110.20. Uh, Dennis Cruz out of Beaverton, one sixty five thirty three. And I do have some comments that various people wrote in, and I tried to summarize because we're getting our comments sheet, by the way, is getting. Yeah, we could do a whole show just on comments, right? Yeah, but Christopher Grimm, or no, Christopher Grimm is 21 years old, and he thinks he's going to be the youngest contributor, and he's, and he's a student. Salvatore Barrera uh, in Quebec says the show is too long. So I said, okay. Uh, we <laughs> what Don Carlin wants us to plug com, uh, this uh, Pacho called Common Sense. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody wants us to plug the com, the Common Sense Pacho with Don Carlin. Okay. Avery Lee is calling out the entire state of Wyoming as douchebags. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Douchebag. The whole state is a douchebag. That's what he says. Oh man. And he says that's uh, harsh. As far as he knows, he's the only one who's ever uh, donated from Wyoming. That's quite possible. Wyoming's got like a population of 30. Uh, <laughs> right. Sam Vanderplank, who... Uh, Vanderplank. 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 One of our regulars. He wants us to plug noagendapdfs.com, which are apparently PDFs backup of the show notes. Uh, Sefer Aman, uh, he broke up with his girlfriend and some uh, during spring break, and he gave us the money. Oh, nice. How much he, was that? He's a 5510, I believe. Oh, he, he had a cheap girlfriend. He is the one of the, he's the third guy, I believe, broke up with their girlfriend and gave us the money. Uh, Mike, I would like to see maybe some, well, in any way, Michael Rice uh, wants us to plug the opera now podcast.com. And we forgot to mention him before. And uh, he's been hounding me uh, relentlessly on Twitter. And then we keep forgetting <laughs> this ridiculous one. It just keeps, by the way, I keep telling people it's first in last, you know, uh, last, last in first out. out. It's a problem. Ryan Lee calls out Justin at Moorhead state. As a, as a, Douchebag. Douchebag. Now, uh, the funny thing is, uh, is that the two people that call out douchebags both ha in this week with both last name was Lee. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Douchebag Lee's. Uh, Brian Morris calls out uh, Sean Pachorik, uh for as a douchebag. Douchebag. Spending all his money on guns. 
<laughs> well, I take that back. I like that guy. I was going to say, I don't think we should call him a douchebag. And people, if you're in Ohio, you might want to look up Second Mile Productions, which spell with a 2ND Mile Productions.com. The guy does uh, wedding uh, movies that are absolutely fantastic. Oh. And uh, that's pretty much it for this week. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it's obvious then, if that's it, we need your support. Uh, we want to move to this full time. You still have three other jobs, John? 50. <laughs> yeah. We got to make ends meet. Um, but we are, uh, we are holding true to some of our promises here. And uh, we are absolutely giving you, providing as much value as possible with the time uh, allotted that you basically purchase for us. Daily source code back now. And uh, uh, was uh, is now a part of the uh, noagendastream.com. dot uh, com. So we'd appreciate. Actually, I just appreciate you guys uh, wanting that back and uh, supporting uh, the return of the program. And the way you can help us out is by going to noagendashow dot com. Click on the click on the donate link, or just go directly to dvorak dot org slash na. Or for those of you who uh, uh, who can't get to that because of. Uh, Child Pornography Protection uh, Initiatives, go to channeldvorak.com slash NA. And if you are going to donate a larger number, if you're going for a knighthood or one of our layaway plans, or if you're going to do uh, $333.33 times three, where we kick in the extra penny for your knighthood, uh, please also consider signing up for one of our monthlies, because that's really where uh, the sustainable base for it will come from. And uh, eventually... Sometime in the future, it it could be enough, you know, just for us to go on. But uh, I think that's. Uh, I think it's, it's someday. And I also want to mention George Vanderhurst, by the way. I forgot to mention it some time ago. But uh, you know, you mentioned the child pornography as because my site's named Dvorak Uncensored. Oh yeah, that's it why. gets banned in certain places. Russia, you can't get to me in Russia and parts of uh, Southeast Asia. But it's, you know, even though there's never been a, a there's never been a naked breast or any nudity whatsoever on this website, I'm going to have to uh, do something about change. No, and it's, and it's even worse. I mean, I, I I'm really careful in the show notes. Uh, partic- that's why I put everything under the elites. Heading and I uh, I change titles of web pages because if you put you know like pedophiles in government you know <laughs> you know porn that stuff gets you you, you get blocked everywhere yeah yeah there's, there's so you, much you can't you can't even t- internet you, yeah you can't even report on the truth anymore right. you, you can't even and by the way flip on the television and tell me you're going to find any of the information. That uh, that we've been talking about about the denotes that Tony Blair put out about George uh, Bush Senior, the CIA mind control, child abuse, uh, Boys Town. Uh, tell me you're going to find that anywhere. You're not uh, gonna go. find it. Well, actually, anything we we discuss or analyze, we actually orient it toward. We don't. You just don't get this kind of analysis anyplace because no. nobody else. They can't do it because they're commercially oriented. They they can't. You, you won't be on the air for more than ten minutes. You can only do this type of show the way we're doing it. Yeah. No, I was on the it's air not for possible. I was on the air it. for about two months doing this in uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands, and they not only took me off the air, but they took down the station, the entire broadcast organization, the jazz station went down, everything went down. Boom. 
No more financing. And, and, you, and, you know, if you watched like the last Law and Order that we just listened to uh, pieces of, uh, the orient, the, you know, this idea of getting licensed to do blogging, people have suggested that. I mean, the, 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 this actually, oh, what yeah. you're listening to now, the, the, this show, No Agenda, may actually be a short-term phenomenon. We, it's possible. And so I would say that you want to support us while while we while we I'm not there's no evidence of this happening tomorrow, but it's just I think well long no, but term, it, 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 I think long term yeah long term is exactly where it's going. Oh, this is bloggers they should be licensed. Yeah, this is what ACTA is about. Uh, this is uh, this is what all of these initiatives are about to to create control over the internet. And uh, here's an article from the EU Observer. Um. The Brussels press press corps. So this is the press corps that is supposed to be, and this is very a very interesting article, and it's 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 so well spelled out. Has been declining consistently month over month, year over year. Uh, in two thousand five, there were one thousand thirty one journalists in Brussels, making it the largest foreign press corps in the world. Which, by the way, doesn't even seem that big. A thousand journalists, I and mean, we have at least a thousand producers working, uh, actually sending us links on a daily basis. Uh, since then, it's dropped steadily. Now they're down to eight hundred and sixty. The reason why, and this is what's, this is where you've got to watch it, is the European Union literally floods their website. Look at eu.int. They flood it with video and audio and press releases and photographs and electronic press kits. And so what do all these uh, certainly commercial news organizations do? It's like, well, hey, you know, they're doing all the work for us. This is great. We don't have to send someone there to do some actual reporting. We'll just sit at home and just be on the web and just copy what they write and copy it and use their electronic press kits. Yeah, well, it's cheaper. Yeah, but... Of course, it's cheaper, but this just goes to show you that the Ministry of Truth is being instituted right here. It's absolutely happening. There's just no one is reporting on this stuff because they're taking what what the European Union puts out there as fact. Oh well, here's the story. Here's well, the and they, yeah. and they and they hire they hire talent to do like a news report. And then they edit that together and said, here it is, and you can use it. This yeah. Is, and, 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 it's a good business. We'll even put your logo in there. It's a good business. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it may not all be the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Nobody cares, yeah. apparently. Did you know they, that? They, they wanted the truth. They'd, the people would say something. Okay. So here, here is the best article from the New York Times, which, of course, uh, I, uh, ever since they got your age wrong, I don't trust them. Oops. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm actually uh, younger than that. Yeah, that's right. Here's the article. came out on the came out today, or I guess last night. Should be in the the Sunday New York Times. U.S. turns a blind eye to opium in Afghan town. And there's a picture of U.S. Marines walking through a poppy field, <laughs> which they uh, decided not to destroy. And and John, we just have to go through this article for a moment. Uh, I, uh, three or four people emailed this to me. Uh, let me just go back to my assertion, which I think you're pretty much on board with, is that we are in Af- Afghanistan for a number of reasons. One of them is for the poppy trade, 
is for heroin, which is being sent. And this has been documented. People have been killed over investigating this, which is being sent on military transport planes right back to the United States. Heroin is at an all-time low in price. It's a great cheap drug, but there's billions of dollars being made on it. And I believe that... um, that a lot of what our uh, service men and women are there for, and of course, certainly a lot of the consultants, is uh, is to protect this trade. So here's the article. The effort to win over Afghans on former Taliban turf in Marja, remember this is the, uh, the big surge. The, the center of it all. That, the, which is where 70% of all, even more, I think, of all uh, poppy is, uh, is cultivated has put American and NATO commanders in the unusual position of arguing against opium eradication. Oh, wait a minute. So we took over this town, and now we're not going to get rid of the poppies. Now, I wonder why. Well, from General Stanley A. McChrystal on down, the military's position is clear. U.S. forces no longer eradicate, as one NATO official put it. Opium is the main livelihood of 60 to 70 percent of the farmers in Marja. Yeah, like we didn't know that, which was seized from Taliban rebels in a major offensive last month. American Marines occupied the area are under orders to leave the farmers fields alone because, of course, we don't want to take away their livelihood. Uh, Of course, you're reading, you know, you're you're kind of... uh Reading, I mean, we've been six months ago, nine months ago, a year ago, we have already deconstructed the fact that this was going on. And now the New York Times has finally picked it up for some unknown reason. Uh, I think we should be looking at it as why this story is running in the first place. Well, I think I think what's well, maybe the answer is here Uh, because we were a little bit off on our timing. Now, when the when the when the the forty thousand the thirty thousand troops were approved by the president, the first thing we said was, "Yeah, uh, it's time for the harvest." So we need to protect, and we need some extra farm hands. And here in the New York Times, there is little time left to find an answer. Two thirds of Marja fields are now blooming with tall red poppies. And the forthcoming harvest would provide work for thousands of Afghans from outside the area because it is so labor intensive. I now, can't tell believe me, they're running this story. Yes, now tell me we aren't right. This is exactly what we said. The harvest is coming. We need to have the troops over there. They, they telegraphed the surge. They said, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming to help you with the harvest. And there it is. It's now in the New York Times. It, it gets better. Helmand, the Helmand province, produces more than half of Afghanistan's opium harvest, with 22% of its arable land devoted to poppies. Even after, this is great, even after Governor Mangal's forces eradicated a third of the crop last year, his province was awarded a $10 million Good Performers Initiative grant by the American Embassy. What the hell is that? A good performers no. initiative grant of ten million dollars. Uh, yeah, it's ten million dollars for whatever the hell it is. <laughs> oh my God! Afghanistan now produces ninety percent of the world's opium, and one way or another, the opium trade supports an estimated one point four million households in the country, which has a population oh, yeah. of twenty five million to thirty million. It also, it also provides enormous amounts of money to the Taliban. So anyway, so now they're fighting each other. <laughs> so one half is like, well. You know, uh, we, of course, we can't really have uh, the poppies going because that's like making heroin and, and you know, the heroin's uh, killing the people in, the, in our country. And on the other hand, you know, we can't be uh, like uh, helping the Taliban make money. 
It's so apparently, so I'm guessing, by the way, that the, the, the part that, that was burned was Taliban heroin or Taliban opium. Right. And and they left. They said, you know, didn't burn down all the fields. They're standing right in front of one of them. They just burnt down some of them, which are probably the ones that <laughs> Taliban were collecting. Yeah, and they kept their own. Yes, it's called yeah. protecting your turf. It's it's a very it's whole, very this, normal. This, thing, this whole thing stinks to high heaven. And. Uh, just to, uh, I'm not going to say all of these are uh, machine generated. I'd just like to give you a little earthquake report for a moment here. And by the way, um, a scientist from Innsbruck, Australia, uh, just to show you that I'm not the only kook out there. Um, Innsbruck political scientist Claudia von Verloff has accused the USA of being behind the Haitian earthquake in January. It emerged on Tuesday. According to a report which I have links here, Verhoff said that machines at a military research center in Alaska used to detect deposits of crude oil by causing artificial earthquakes, which is what HARP is all about, might have been intentionally set off to cause the Haitian earthquake and enable the USA to send 10,000 soldiers into the country, which actually I think is closer to 20 now. Ferdinand Kalhofer, the head of the Innsbruck Political Science Institute, where von Verloff works, has slammed her comments. He says such conspiracy theory has no scientific basis. Her claim would damage the reputation of the institute abroad. But this is interesting because if you look at her, um, if you look at her bio, and I have it, uh, I have it linked here. Hold on a second. Uh, she's no slouch. Professor of Women's Studies at the Institute of Political Science, University of Innsbruck, works about this and uh, studied economic sociology in Cologne and Hamburg, followed a doctoral fellowship in Central America, uh, assistant lecturer at uh, so Sciences University of Frankfurt. I mean, she's done a lot of stuff. She's not just uh, your run-of-the-mill kook. You know, she yeah, did, she's not like us. No, exactly. That's why I bring it up. So I give myself a little more credit here. So... Here's uh, here's what we've seen. Uh, volcano erupted in Iceland last night. Oh, uh, the one over by Westman Island. Yep, Which one? Yep, yeah, the uh, hold on a the second. old classic. Yeah, I think it's the old classic, and now everyone's worried about. And of course, Iceland right now. You oh, know, I mean, you know, you may say it could be coincidence. Coincidence? I think not. But Iceland says, "Hey, we're not going to pay you Dutch and British back for your com the commercial banks. We're not going to do that." Oh no. Well, let's show you what some fire looks like, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Reykjavik, volcano erupted near a glacier in southern Iceland. That's the one, the Eyjarkolmalarkul volcano? I don't know. I don't know the name of it. Anyway, so people are worried that the... I'd that have a, to look on the map. ...that a big eruption is coming. Then we have, uh, let's see. Oh, this was nice. The 5.6 magnitude quake right near Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I guess. So they could shuffle st things around. 5.6. I mean, that's not even an earthquake. But here's the here's the thing that I like the most. Now, of course, we now my assertion is that the United States is not the only one with a with a harp array with an earthquake machine. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, switch flicking going on. It's like, oh yeah, pff, hey, you pff, watch this. Oh yeah, it's like rock'em sock'em robots. Like you know, hey, I, let me watch. Well, you know, hey, oh, oh, you don't think we can't mess with the LA? Watch this. Pff, we'll give you a four point four there. So now, of the course, LA has earthquakes constantly. Shut up. Yeah, sure it does. They're all over the place. Just coincidentally, it's all happening now. Here's the point. This is a news report because, of course, we know where this harp array is located. So it's not very hard to predict that the Chinese or someone else is eventually going to zap Alaska. 
And with deadly earthquakes hitting around the world, many are wondering, could a massive quake strike Alaska? And if so, when? As CBS 11's Andrea Gusty tells us, another quake just as bad, if not worse, is in store for our state. What? <laughs> Haiti, Chile, Japan. All had massive earthquakes within the last few months, leaving hundreds dead and thousands more homeless. Experts say we need to be ready to brace for much worse. Just uh, listing the magnitude 8 and higher quakes that we've had here in Alaska. This is Bill Knight from the average, Tsunami Warning Center. Year, 1899, they occur once every 15 years. So that means we're due. Well, you could look at it that way. The All 1964 right, so, Good Friday quake... So the, 19, so the bringing a couple things into this, the 1964 Good Friday quake which I guess we're coming up on Good Friday. Um, so they're saying, well, it's about time for a new one. Yeah, duh, you keep flipping on the Alaska Harper Ray. Of course they're going to try and zap you out of the water. This is So the guy you just heard talking is from the uh, West Coast and Alaska Tsunami Information Center, which I'd never heard of. I, I never heard of a tsunami before 2004. I, I, it used to be called something else, I guess. So they've got a website up. And uh, so these, this the guy who just said, oh, yeah, well, we're due for one. It could be pretty big and we could have a huge tsunami. We all can die. Uh, and it turns out they have an exercise on March 24th. Ooh, oh, yes. the exercise is always bad news. <laughs> oh, yeah. The tsunami response exercise, March 24th, 2010. And uh, they have a couple of days from now. They, they have. Yeah, it is a couple of days. From Where's now, the but, exercise going to be? Well, there's a whole PDF, which I, I read through last night, which was kind of interesting because they even have a subsection there that says what we do. So, you know, they have all the codes and how it's like a tabletop exercise, etc. And they're going to um, simulate a magnitude 9.0 earthquake generated south of the Alaska Peninsula, uh, which they say, of course, you know, could... Uh, could fire off uh, all kinds of tsunamis all the way to the west coast of you know of, of the United, you know California everything, but they even have a subsection in there that says what happens what what to do if an actual earthquake strikes during the exercise, which I thought was kind of interesting. But wow! I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then I want you to take a look at this site, John, because this this will this will make you laugh to no end. For those of you. Uh, Online, I'm going to paste this in the chat room right, right now because you get a laugh out of what jabronis these guys are. It's a wcatwc.arh.noaa.gov. It's a pretty sad site, but it's uh, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of what the NOAA sites look like. And you you got the site up, John? Yeah. Okay, so you see there, um, tsunami response exercise March 24th, and it has new tsunami videos. Now, here's the kicker. The link there that says click on the virtual earthquake to experience a virtual earthquake. Click on that link, John, and be prepared. I'm not seeing that link. Down below, at the bottom of the page. I got new tsunami videos. How and underneath that, keep going down. Click on virtual earthquake oh, to okay, experience. Are you ready? Wait, are you sitting down? <laughs> Give me a countdown. Okay. Are you ready for the virtual earthquake, John? It's Go. been nice knowing you. Hit it. Um, it says waiting. <laughs> waiting for earthquake. <laughs> what? There it is. <laughs> what is this? There's just a bunch of photos. What? It didn't. It didn't. 
Uh, it should happen now. Is it doing the browser shake? No, it's not doing anything. You're kidding me. No. Oh, well, do you, uh, All I, I have is a picture of a cracked earth. Yeah, and then what happened? Oh, you have to hit. It says click me, John. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. They show you a picture of a cracked earth. You click on click me, and it does one of those browser shakes. Yeah, some JavaScript thing. <laughs> Are these guys out of their that? mind? How is that? That is, guys, that is about as lame as anything I've ever seen on the internet. Coming from a government site, how, and how is that a virtual earthquake? Is a virtual like something's wrong with your monitor? It's completely stupid, is what it is. That is bad. Oh. Okay, and I think that's the, that you that you win this week. Yeah, I Just won for last week. Coming too. up with that piece of crap. Anyway. Um, okay, well, we'll keep an eye out. So, so by next Thursday, Alaska. we should have <laughs> some should have happened. But, the, but then the best the best quote of the uh, of the week. Uh, now you know about the Louisiana purchase, right? Yeah, the one for the health care, right? The bribes. So uh, I guess it's uh, on Fox. Uh, some douchebag is interviewing the president. And then listen to what the president says about the Louisiana Purchase. This is very interesting. Hold on a second. You know which Hold ones on are still Hold on a second, Brett. Is my question. The, uh, that also, well, I'm giving you an example of one that I consider important. It also affects Hawaii, which went through an earthquake. So that's not just a Louisiana. Oh, yeah, provision. yeah, yeah. We had this before. Yeah, but wait a minute. It's just a slip of the tongue. This what did he mean to say then? What did he mean to say, Haiti? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So the, the how does the health care help Haiti? You tell me. I think that's the more interesting challenge to, to, the, to the deconstruction of that comment. Uh, that's weird. The, uh, and by the way, all of these videos, you can find at noagendatv.com. I promise to give a plug uh, because a uh, guy does a lot of work and he puts all of these videos that are in the show notes, he puts them into one place. You can basically uh, have your own personal television play out. You of, have um, your own personal depressing yeah, channel. <laughs> of amazing crap that you just can't believe it. <laughs> so the Red Cross, um, just while we're on Haiti for a second, then I'll shut up because you got some clips. Um, they've announced, very proud, they collected $255 million for Haiti relief effort. But they only spent $80 million of it. And do you know why, John? Because uh, Clinton needed a new pair of shoes. According to the website for the Red Cross, on those rare occasions when donations exceed Red Cross expenses... Uh, uh, you know, a, wait, let me finish the quote. Uh, go on. Exceed Red Cross expenses for a specific disaster, contributions are used to prepare for and serve victims of other disasters. You know, since the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake in here in the uh, California area, which is in 86 or 89, I can't remember which, and, and even before that, the Red Cross has been pulling this crap from the get-go. And they've always, that comment that they just made there, I have heard that comment for over 25 years. And nobody seems to remember it. And when I mean, it, that's why I was upset when you start saying, because, oh, man, I've heard this a million times. That's why you've got to give your money to people like... Like, you know, Doctors, Doctors Without, Without Borders. Borders. And, and other, you know, legitimate, or the Red Cross is not illegitimate, but they have a big slush fund, and you give them money, it's not going necessarily where you want it to go. Just, uh, 
from uh, from Eric, he uh, picked something up here. George W. Bush in a... Uh, here, the U.S. government has told the Texas court Pope Benedict the 16th should be given immunity from a lawsuit accusing him of conspiring to cover up the sexual molestation of three boys. I guess uh, George Bush helped uh, the Pope get immunity. Anyway, makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, they're all in it together. Immunity. Yeah, you know what? Pedophile <laughs> government. Ugh, make me sick, all of you. The Pope uh, has his own country. He doesn't have to need immunity from anyone. Yeah, where, where you can screw boys legally if they're older than 12. It's disgusting. Ugh. All right, pick me up, John. So let's go uh, change gears here for since we're getting near the end. I want to have a couple quick comments. Oops. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Oh, sorry. Uh, so I'm watching Bill Maher Ugh. looking to get wait, a clip. Wait a after, after we already debunked him having a laugh track? You're still well, watching that watching, crap? Well, now I was listening to see what, what kind of laugh track I was going to use on this show. But here's the only thing that – there's two things that I noticed. One is the up we gotta, we got to really get into this a little more, which is the because this term came up. It's clean water crisis. So we want to make sure that uh, we clean start Clean water crisis? Yeah, there's a clean water crisis. Yeah, the crisis is that there's 300 chemicals in our water, including fluoride and other crap that is being put in it by our municipal water suppliers. Yeah, I don't think that's what they're talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Now, here's the thing that got me, I, and this is the, I could have clipped it or whatever. In fact, I should have, but I didn't bother. I'm t- uh, some, he brought some guy on. He has his extra guest when he does a little roundtable thing. And the guy starts talking about Oxfam. And Bill Maher is flabbergasted. He says, Oxfam, what's that? Oh, that's and the that's the huge uh, UK based. Huge, it's huge. Yeah. And I was stunned that Bill Maher, this you know erudite, you know you know universalist uh, liberal, had never heard of one of the most liberal organizations in the world and one of the biggest. Oxfam, and he started mocking it as a stupid name, and you know? it was hilarious to watch. Really? It. Like, wow! Yeah, it was like completely out to lunch. It was hilarious. Oxfam also takes. Um, I kind of like what they do. They take um, your old crap, and they have these shops, and then you know poor people yeah, can go over. and buy it for like a, a pound. You know, it's- they're all over. Yeah, all yeah. over England anyway. So uh, the other thing I thought was interesting that I observed, I was watching uh, Hannity, and you know they're trying to get Sarah Palin to be an, an analyst, and she can't do it. It's do, just do you have a death wish, man? You know that's really bad for your health. All this uh, this crap you're watching, Bill Maher, Hannity. <laughs> so so they put they, so they put uh, Sarah Palin cut, calling in from Alaska, and she's you know she comes in, she does a bunch of cliches, you know, America's for the Americans, and you know, all these kinds yeah. of things. But the thing is, they're doing a, a, a satellite link or something and they have this huge unbelievable echo and it sounds like she's not only in a bucket but she's in a bucket with an echo box hooked to it so it's like so they so it just sounds like crap and so they cut to a commercial i figure well i hope they fix that they come back to her they haven't fixed anything it was like fox what are they paying these guys five bucks an hour at the fox company they you know to be the engineers it was unbelievable anyway that was just a pet peeve of mine based on the fact that uh they they have the money to spend all right so bill maher 
That was the end. Of, that's all I had to say. I, I thought you had an audio clip you wanted to play. No, no, I said I would. Yeah, I do, but not Bill Maher. Let's play oh. some other stuff. Okay. I, I've got a couple of things here that just a side note, a little lighter stuff. Okay. Uh, there was the uh, television and radio correspondence dinner, like last oh, week. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is not the big one. This is not the Washington White House correspondence dinner. This is the second-rate one. And so uh, in this case, it was on uh, St. Patrick's Day. In this case, Obama went to talk to some Irishmen and Biden, who seemed to me to be drunk. Uh, <laughs> it takes one to know one. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he seemed to be drunk, and he was like uh, – uh, Trying to be funny. And then you can really see, because I have some Obama clips from the other event, you can really see the fact that Obiden Obiden is not funny. And he needs a laugh track, is what he needs. He needs a laugh track. But the curious thing was, is that he had an interesting little little remark at the very end of this this commentary uh, that I thought was. I hate to use the word telling, but it was very interesting uh, when you hear it. You go, whoa. Anyway, by the dinner? Yeah. Uh Thank you all very much. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you tonight. I I just got back from uh, five days in the Middle East. I love to travel. But it's great to be back in a place where uh, a boom in housing construction is actually a good thing. All right, so that's a joke about the uh, about Israel building uh, new houses in East Jerusalem. I guess, or, yeah. or you know, yeah. All right. You know, trying to negotiate. Uh, oh, yeah. Who's attending this dinner? Uh, uh, Every but well, there's a lot of people. The place was packed, and it's mostly uh, all the TV people, radio people. Right, this uh, is know. their drinking club. It's like, hey, thanks for being on board with the program. Thanks for using our electronic press kits here. Have a great dinner and some great wine on us, and uh, we're all buddies. And let's hang out and be cool together. We're well, ruling all, the world. Also, I think a lot of the anchors and people like that. Yeah, would that's all be the same thing. It's like, hey, how you doing? Thanks for helping us out. You guys are doing a great job. Great job, everybody. Right. It's like a developer's conference. Well, that's what you what you just said is what relates to the final comment at the end, which I was I just thought was pretty funny. A lasting peace between the Palestinian and the Israelis is tough, but it was a hell of a nice break from health care. I understand Liz Cheney's in the house. I'm glad to see dad's doing well. Liz, I called her when her dad was in the hospital, but Liz, uh, Liz has been on a tear lately. Now she's questioning if Tom Brady is a real patriot. Uh, what the hell? It's where the tribe, guys. Where the- what? Where's the what? The tribe? So he said, no, he said, what the hell? It's worth a try, guys, because he got no laughs from that oh, stupid line. On. Let me help him out. Let me help him out. Now she's questioning if Tom Brady is a real patriot. Uh, what the hell? It's worth a try, guys. Look, uh, by the way, happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you. (laughs) You know, the truth is, Rom and I were just up in the White House. The truth is, I I can't believe I'm here with you guys tonight. Here I am, the first Irish Catholic Vice President of the History of the United States of America. Barack Obama is the first African American in the history of the United States of America. Hosting the St. Patrick's Day dinner, and I'm here with you all. Hmm. Go figure. 
unbelievable. I think you just nailed it. Uh, it's a developer's <laughs> conference. I am with his. Yeah, no, totally. It's a developer's conference. <laughs> Meanwhile, one... That was really funny, Jar. Yeah, thanks. So, so meanwhile, I want to, it's enough of that. So meanwhile, I want to contrast the one thing about Obama that I think we have to admit. He has an amazing, he could be a stand up comic. And I think, I presume that his material, see, Biden probably wrote his own material because that's the kind of douchebag he is. Like, I can handle this. I got my jokes. I know what's funny. I know what's funny. But I think Obama has, like, some, like, Aaron Sorkin, you know, he's probably. Oh, he's got some writers. He's got some really good writers. But but he still delivers. He delivers. He absolutely delivers. delivers. Good timing. The timing is good. And so play Obama Dinner, and then we'll play Obama Dinner 2, which is his. You know, two of his guys, and you can compare them to Biden's lame material. Someone uh, actually discovered my Irish lineage uh, when I was running for president. And uh, my first thought was, uh, why didn't anybody discover this when I was running for office in Chicago? I don't understand that one. Because there's a, a big Irish contingent in Chicago, he thinks. <laughs> Even though Chicago's known for its Polish, Jewish, yeah, and Polish Black. in particular, and uh, yeah. Norwegian even. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of Mexicans there now. Irish. But anyway, the um, ha ha ha. But he still got. But the timing was good, and it, and this is you can just hear the way he he follows it up. That's because you interrupted the gag, so it's. Uh, timing is not what it would normally be but uh, he, he follows it up with a kicker that 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 is just extremely well timed it's also a day to thank the irish people for all that they've done for america the truth is they weren't always welcomed there were times where the irish were caricatured and stereotyped and cursed at and blamed for society's ills. Uh, so naturally, it was a good fit for them to go into politics. Um, okay. Well, that's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's well done compared to well, Biden's kind of meandering, <laughs> stumbling. Anyway, so that was what I wanted to play. Now, um... We do have a clip for the end of the show I want to mention in advance. Uh, there's been this uh, debate on the floor of Congress about the health care, and the Democrats keep wanting to do these idiotic um, – in the case of this one, it's Jackie Spear from California uh, who is trying to name a post office in Ohio after some DMV employee who was also a community organizer and needs a post office named after him. And it, this goes on and on. And I, I want to play at the end of the show and people can listen to it then and see how crazy it is because people are debating health care. And then she's, she's, she's trying to talk about this. It was absolutely un- astonishing to me. And the last little item I've got here, which is the, uh, the MSNBC, and it's particularly Rachel Maddow in this particular clip. Um, she has a giggle in there that is like, whoa, this oh, would frightening. Be- you know, I hate her. You know, yeah, I, I, know I you hate do. her. Oh, wait, wait we, we have we have another uh, Biden clip here, John. Developers, 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 developers. <laughs> we have a, uh, the. Um, uh, Maddox thing, they went out, you know, that this, the story we did a couple of weeks back about the uh, potential for U.S. fishers, fi- people, you know, yeah, uh, a fishing, fishing ban. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the apparently ESPN, they got a lot of flack for bringing this up because nobody's actually signed anything. And uh, it was just a speculative article this guy was writing based on what happened in Canada, which where they did ban certain kinds of hunting. And so the MSNBC decides to, I guess, uh, Rush Limbaugh and the other right wing talkers got all over this. And so she decides to bring out her her hitman to do a a piece blasting all the right wingers who took this this uh, story seriously. Well, not even uh, right wingers. We took it. We we took it as bull crap. Well, no, I, I still take it seriously, and I'll tell you why after this little piece runs. But uh, once you run the long, it's actually a little lengthy. You might want to interrupt it a couple of times. The MSNBC blast fishing story. Fish? I do not understand this person's sign. For clarification, I asked our contemporary angling correspondent Kent Jones to look into it. <laughs> Kent please help. Yeah, I'll try, Rachel. You know, as conservatives keep proving over and over again, there's no conspiracy theory involving President Obama that's too far over the top. <laughs> and this one is this big. Uh, you know, I have to interrupt her right here. Just the whole fact that how often do you hear this now? People always saying, oh, this conspiracy theory. It's, it's, it's rife now. It's almost becoming a new meme. Oh, conspiracy theory. Oh, that's just a consp- conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory. It's a cons- conspiracy the, theory. You know, the problem is that the term is being misused because a conspiracy theory implies a number of people working together to, to get something to happen, and it has to be very secretive. And, and it's being, yeah, you're right. I've, it's I've had people say, you know, they'd say, well, the CEO of uh, this company decides he, he's going to fire everybody who's uh, a Mexican. And some say, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. You know, if the CEO, one guy is going to fire a bunch of, where, where's the conspiracy? You have to have two, three, 20 people involved. If one person's going to do something, it's not a conspiracy under any circumstances. How can it be a conspiracy theory? Anyway. So the uh, conspiracy theory here, first of all, is the fact that uh, the the water rights of the entire United States are now pretty much being uh, taken over by the government. And they own all water. All water. We've, we've reported on that extensively. And Hillary Clinton is a big part of that, making the oceans no longer the people's property, but the property of the United Nations. Right. And uh, by the way, we consist of 90% of water. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. There it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't, a, right into I wasn't it. ready for it. <laughs> oh, oh, let me do that again. Oh, oh, that scared me. Mama, that's too far over the top. And this one is this big. <laughs> Barack Obama wants to stop you from fishing. This fish story started with an ESPN Outdoors column that said that the federal government had a strategy in the works that could prohibit U.S. citizens from fishing the nation's oceans, coastal waters, Great Lakes, and even inland waters. Swarm conservative media piranhas. Fresh blood! Gateway pundit ran this headline. Obama's latest assault on freedom. New regulations will ban sport fishing. Adding, Barack Obama has a message for America's 60 million anglers. We don't need you. Red State gave us Obama, the will of the people be damned. I'll 
decide who can go fishing. Michelle Malkin decided on Obama's war on fishing. Right on cue, Glenn Beck said this. I told you a year ago this would happen. I'm I'm not some uh, prophet by any stretch of the imaginations. People are losing their rights. Who's more important, the fish or you? Alert, alert. Glenn Beck, not a prophet. And Rush Limbaugh, imitating Obama, said... You can't touch me. I can stop you from going fishing wherever you want. I can do whatever I want to do. There she blows! Wow, this Obama hates fishing story is amazing! You know, what's interesting is they're not actually debunking the story. They're just saying all these people who are saying this is true are idiots... Do they? Do, I mean, there's no a minute left of this clip. Do they actually say? Do they actually go into any well, proof that it's not true? They got the woman who is the head of this whatever this the part of the uh, wildlife department or yeah, whatever yeah. to say something, and that's where it gets interesting because yeah, you finish it off and you'll see. If only it were, you know, true. A red-faced ESPN was forced to admit, quote, we made several errors in the editing and presentation of this installment. Oops. But the feeding frenzy was already in full swing, so much so that the administration had to go on a debunking mission to tell people what they were actually doing, which was drafting plans for a new ocean policy and marine planning system. That's it. Dr. Jane Lubchenco, chief of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, had this to say to one jittery Republican congressman who asked about the ban on fishing at a hearing. We are not uh, proposing any uh, blanket ban on recreational fishing. I would strongly oppose that, and that, that is not in the works. Got that? Undeterred, the Fox Nation website is still linking to the discredited... E- well, what, what is that? <laughs> That has no background on any legislation. It's just some broad going, it ain't true. That's not what she said, though. The thing that's interesting about that, if you if you parse it. Let me, let me play it again. Just, let me play it again. Roger, you it. don't have to play it again. I actually have the clip separated out. Oh. I already rewound it. Let me play it again. Right. We are not uh, proposing any uh, blanket ban on recreational fishing. I would strongly oppose that, and that, that is not in the works. Okay. She didn't say we're not we're not going to ban fishing. She says she's they're not going to oh, have a blanket, blanket ban. ban. Ah. That means all fishing. I would strongly oppose that. I would strongly oppose banning all fishing for all time. We are not uh, proposing any uh, blanket ban on recreational fishing. I would strongly oppose that, and that that is not in the works. Got- huh. So okay. they so she slips in that little weasel word blanket ban. I said there was not going to be a blanket ban. Oh, we're just going to ban fishing in this river and that river. No, we're going to ban fishing in the Good Lake catch. Michigan. We're going to ban fishing in Lake Erie. We're going to ban fishing on the Pacific Coast. We're going to ban. But that's not a blanket ban because you can still fish over here at Salt Lake. <laughs> here, here in this puddle. So there's no blanket ban. Now, let's go to the other little error they threw in there. ESPN admitting that it mis- made mistakes in editing and presentation. What they, the, what their admission was, they did, the editing part is, is, is up for grabs. It was not presented as – it was a blogger's opinion. This is a blogger. And he may – and they apparently did not make it clear enough that this was a blog and not a news story, even though it appeared to me to be a blog. But I guess the public, you know, that was all pointed to it from, you know, the various right-wingers that don't know what a 
blog is, uh, you know, made the mistake of thinking this was a news story. And maybe MSNBC did, too, thinking that was presented as such. I didn't think so. I thought it was a blog. I thought it was an interesting uh position the guy took and he and he it was extrapolating from what happened in Canada to what you know what new laws are going and they say there's going to be a new uh uh some new law, I forgot what it's called for waterways. And so, you know, so this guy said, here, what's, what's next? Fishing, ban on fishing, which we talked about. So meanwhile, MSNBC, I, I guess, got the word to like slam everybody who had anything to do with this and get it out off the front page. And so now it's, it's disappeared. But the fact of the matter is, this woman still used said blanket ban. And I think there's something's up with this, with whatever they're up to here. I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't look good. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with public land. Um, there's a good report here. I have linked in the show notes, noagendashow.com, about uh, the, uh, the National Forest Service planting secret cameras around camping sites on basically public land, publicly owned land. Uh, and they're being real cagey about it. And uh, they're not admitting, well, they're not even admitting they're doing it, but this uh, apparently this... Um, Camper was out with his daughter or two daughters, and he found a wire in the ground. And he's like, start. And there's a really remote camping site, and it led to a hidden camera. And uh, and this camera, which by the way is being sold as great for law enforcement, uh, with a, a flash drive recorder. It's the PV700, I think, from uh, Samsung. Um, so he started calling up uh, Forest Service and said, "Hey, yeah, that's ours. Bring it over here, slave." And he starts, you know, starts asking around and, uh, you know, they email a statement like, our officers use a variety of techniques to apprehend individuals who break laws in the national forest. So they've got cameras everywhere. Wow, if you see a camera, grab it. It sounds like a nice, cheap way to get a webcam. A good one, too. Yeah, geez. That's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, well, that's part of our the way things are going. Uh, I want to do one more clip before we end the show, which is the Brian Williams LAX story. This is a little lengthy. I don't want to play the whole thing, but I do want to mention that there seems to be a new uh, trick. There's two pieces of information in here that I thought were interesting. Just play the beginning and we'll get into it. Okay, hold on a second. Let me just make sure I'm doing this right. Here we go. At LAX in Los Angeles today, air travel was disrupted for a time because of another so-called security breach. When was this? I was at LAX yesterday. This was like last week. Okay. It turned out a wheelchair passenger left behind a bottle of liquid medication at a screening area, and three terminals were shut down for about a half hour so the woman could be located. It's going to blow. It's going to blow, I tell you. It's liquid. Oh, no. Liquid. Liquid. So many of us who fly routinely wonder, isn't there a better way to use technology in place of things like shoe removal and that clear glass penalty box to make the skies safe? That's a good characterization, by I the like way. I like the penalty the box. Penalty well, box. You, you don't have to play the rest of the clip, but let me explain what, what happened. Okay. First of all, uh, at one th- I have to look into this now because my understanding was they're using terahertz waves to, to, to penetrate the clothes. And according to this report, they're actually using a very small amount of radiation, uh, x-rays. Because the, uh, then even when they show yeah. the, the thing working, it says x-ray on. And, 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 by, and by the way, if you refuse to go through, which I've done, and they ask you why and you say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's good for my health. Uh, I'm reading reports all the time of the TSA saying, yeah, I don't blame you. 
Who knows? <laughs> I wouldn't go through it. Well, here's a, there's two pieces of information that came out on this. One, although they showed a real picture that it takes on, uh, in, under Brian's, when they had the pop-in graphic. But when they showed the guy giving the report at the airport and they kept pointing to the images, he says it was looked like a chalk. I would, all they do is make a chalk outline and then they show the picture and it's like, a, it's like an outline, a complete outline with yeah. nothing else yeah. except, you know, maybe. So what can you see? You can't see anything, but the point is they're trying to make it so the public doesn't realize what kind of pictures these things are taking. Yeah. So they had the, a bogus picture. It was, just, it was an outline, like a cartoon, <laughs> which we know is not what it does. No. So the other thing was that they brought in this all these experts. Well, you know, it's not as bad. It's like one five thousandth as bad as if you got a CAT scan over your stomach, which is a which, huge by the way, is, all, is also very dangerous. You know, we heard a doctor say one in a thousand uh, CAT scans actually winds up killing someone fifteen years later. Yeah. So CAT scans are bad, but but they kept kept coming up with this. Oh, it's only you'd have to go through this thing five thousand times to get a year's dose of radiation. Oh, prove so that. I was thinking, so well, let's assume that's even true. Here's the here's the interesting part. They show how this thing works. They got the radiation going through, and it's going all over the place. What about the TSA guys that are standing there through five thousand people going through the thing on a day to day basis, or maybe say every couple of days, five thousand people go through it. Let's say every three days. Are the TSA guys around this unit getting irradiated? Because the stuff, if it doesn't hit something, it goes through. I don't see that they're using leaded glass, yeah. and I don't see lead all over the place. You know, it's a plastic box, and it looks cheesy, and it's got to be bouncing this radiation, even though it's not that much of it, all over the place. So everybody standing around the device is getting blasted from all the stuff that's missing the person standing inside. And so these TSA guys are putting themselves at huge risk to get... A, a, a really a, a very high dose of radiation over a year, let's say, uh, of being in the in the vicinity. And I guarantee, this is a prediction from the show, We can somebody can write it down if they want to. I guarantee there's going to be a class action lawsuit, lawsuit on the part yeah. of the TSA suing their own government for putting them in, in, in harm's way in this situation. It's just a, the whole thing's got, it's just a bad every which way. I mean, who's running this place? Well, the people who are running it are the same people who are now going to put drones in the sky to protect our borders, as uh, Janet Napolitano said Friday in a letter to the governor of Texas. Yeah, we're going to protect. Uh, we're going to protect the border by uh, putting some drones in the sky. Yeah, un- this, uh, yeah. un- this is unarmed, the beginning, supposedly. Yeah, but you know, it's the same drones. I presume that. Uh, here's the, and here's the way that scenario works out: you put the drones up there, and then all of a sudden, something really bad happens, which the drones capture on video. So you know, if the drones were only armed, armed we could yeah, stop yeah. this horrible situation. Yeah. So there'll be a false flag thing that happens with a drone watching, where somebody gets killed or murdered or something that could have been stopped, and, and so they're going to load the drones up with you know, with a good excuse. You know, they'll probably be involving you know some. Something, uh, some you know, pornography ring. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, someone is naked there. Oh, if only we had it armed. If only we could shoot them out of the out of just blow them away because they're spreading pornography. By I mean, being naked. I mean, the scenarios are so obvious at this yeah, point. It is. It is. And and why do we just sit and take it? Why? Why do we do that? Well, it's the media. It's the media. Follow the media and the education. It is system. the media. Please support your independent media. Please, like us, but please support independent media. It's really important. Otherwise, you'll never be able to make your own choices and decisions. 
I just want to run through a couple of financial things real quick, John, since we didn't do a lot of them. Uh, so Greece is still very much at play. There's a huge uh, cabal going on between uh, uh, basically Berlin, who doesn't really want to you know bail anybody out. And, of course, there's the Lisbon Treaty that says no single state can bail out another state. So we either all bond together and bail Greece out, which means we'll have to bail out Spain and Portugal and Italy and Ireland. Uh, or uh, they need to go to the IMF, which is essentially the <laughs> the banks, right? This is the, the elite IMF, families yeah, the who own the IMF. economic hitman is who they are. Totally. And I love the fact that the prolific programmer got into a whole email thread with me about... Uh, you know the IMF. Oh no, it's uh, you know the, this is by government decree. You know, please go look at your history. And of course, he works for the Federal Reserve, but I, I understand. Now, uh, you'll recall the um, the Bloomberg reporter who uh, died under mysterious circumstances, which I'd basically call two to the head. Uh, he's the one that filed the uh, the lawsuit against uh, the Federal Reserve that they had to uh, report on the two trillion dollars. Um, that they essentially loaned out and wouldn't tell the the U.S. public who owns it, who owns that money, who they gave it to. Now the Federal Reserve Board must disclose documents, according to Bloomberg, identifying the financial firms that might have collapsed without the largest U.S. government bailout ever. This is $2 trillion. As the U.S. Court of Appeals in Manhattan ruled today, the Fed, this is on, uh, I think, Friday, uh, rule the Fed must release records of the $2 trillion U.S. loan program launched after the collapse of Lehman Brothers. So this is a win. This is like positive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, want to, you want to put five bucks that they don't ever see a document that's either uh, accurate or see one at all? Well, it'll have to go. I guess the next step is the Supreme Court. That's the, you know, that's the next place it has to go. They won't, they won't hear it. They won't, they won't hear it? That's my guess. Well, but then they have to adhere to it. Don't they? I'll, who's going to enforce it? I, I'm, I'm just saying. It's uh, yeah. Well, the people will have to enforce it. How's that going to happen? But what's really interesting is the banks who are jumping on the side of the Federal Reserve and saying, no, they shouldn't. Because, you know, what the Federal Reserve says is, well, if people knew who was getting this money, then, you know, they'd have no trust in those banks. So this is how transparent it is. Uh, there's the Clearinghouse Association, which processes payments for banks. Uh, and they said, oh, no, no, this can't happen. That would be really bad. So who's in this uh, association? AB and AMRO Bank, fine Dutch bank. Royal Bank of Scotland, Bank of America, Bank of New York Mellon, Citigroup, Deutsche Bank, HSBC Holdings, J.P. Morgan Chase, U.S. Bank Corp., and Wells Fargo. Yeah, so those, well, those that are, tells you what. That tells, that yeah. tells what it, you know what it tells me. It tells me that the reason they don't want to reveal this information is not because of banks. Oh, they would make make you worry about your bank. It's because it's going to turn out that most of that money went overseas to so the yeah, Bank of Scotland, exactly. Deutsche Bank, and AMRO. Yeah, yeah, it, it, our it, it, money went to bail out the Bank of Scotland. The same guys who who, who mocked us when the, the economic collapse began. And, and and may I just remind people of one thing. Because uh, this actually came up in conversation the other day offline. So I said, well, you know, but, you know, if the banks collapse, that would be really bad. I said, let's make a little distinction between what's a bank and a bank. So you have a bank like your retail bank or, John, like you and I use uh, a, a small bank, which, by the way, took no, uh, no TARP money. Um, and they hold your money in the bank. And, uh, you know, you write checks and they're basically a financial institution that works at retail level with your bank. And then you have a bank like uh, Goldman Sachs, 
and Lehman Brothers, which are investment banks. It's very confusing because the word bank is still in there. These are basically uh, companies that make money with money. And the most money is made by themselves because they trade shares in their own institution. They're just money-making machines. They didn't actually hold any, and they probably don't hold any retail money. It's like you invest in those companies to go make more money with your money. But what Bernanke, what's actually, um, before Bernanke, uh, come on, what's his name? Crazy, crazy. Goldfarb. Dude. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, Goldfarb. It's uh, <laughs> not his name. What he did is... He, uh, Goldfarb, uh, Secretary of the Treasury before Timmy Geithner. He allowed those banks to change their charter to become essentially retail banks so they could take this money from the Federal Reserve. But they're not a bank like a bank that holds your money. They're an investment bank. And if those are gone well, bankrupt, so what? They go bankrupt. Who cares? It's just a business. It's, you know, it's like, who cares if a bunch of rich bankers go out of business? I don't care. You know, they you win some, lose some. But now... And this is the most mind-blowing thing. And you have to read through the Federal Reserve website and really carefully to understand it, but I've broken it down in the show notes. Um, so the way a bank works is, is uh, what we have worldwide, I think, is a fractional reserve system, which means you only need to hold, I think the regulation is, what is it, 10% of, uh, I don't of the know. deposit? I know, they keep changing it. They yeah, want to change well, it again. Well, here's what they want to change. So the way it works is you deposit $100, and the bank only has to hold $10 of that, and they can lend out uh, $90 to other people. Now, <laughs> this is great. Bernanke says, you know what? We should just make that no reserves. You don't need to have any money in the bank at all. So now these guys have gotten to the point where they can just have no money and just make money all the time. Yeah. No reserve, no reserve necessary whatsoever. It's just unbelievable. So if there's well, a run on the bank, you know they'll be phew, they'll be out of business in seconds. In well, seconds. that's why I think it was the Bank of America or one of the other banks that said, you know, you have to give us three, three or four or five days notice before you can take your money out. Oh, uh, starting April, it'll be uh, seven days, I think, seven business seven, days. Uh, yeah, well, and that's then, typical. And then a perfect, uh, a very good article which. Simon Meyerhofer, I don't know who he writes for, but this showed up on uh, Yahoo Finance. Uh, he basically, you know, I guess we've had a, maybe you and uh, Horowitz talked about this. We've had quite a rally. Is that right? Yeah. We've had quite a rally of late. And there's essentially about $600 billion that has uh, come into the market that no one knows where it came from. It's like, well, you know, we've had this rally, all this this fresh money is coming in, but I don't know where it's coming from. Sounds like the lost money from uh, Iraq. (laughs) Well, it's probably from the drug trade. Somebody found the pallet. Yeah, but uh, what this article asserts is that the plunge protection team is in, and uh, the $600 billion of net new cash, which has been lifting the market, uh, is probably about to stop. Uh, because they don't I mean, have I will, I, I'm thinking no, because I think the whole plunge protection group, everybody, the whole system has to be oriented toward making Obama or making the 2012 or this not Obama in 2012, but this the upcoming elections in November, not to get all turned over to the Republicans. And so I think they're going to do everything they can to make people happy. Hmm. So you think it's going to continue? Yeah, yeah, I think so. At least until until November. Then you have a nice little crash right afterwards. 
it could be more than a nice little crash. I think it's going to be a whopper. I think that's coming up. All right. I mean, then, sometimes some of these things are self-fulfilling too. You get the market all pumped up and then everyone starts feeling better and they start hiring. You never know the economy can actually pick, perk up, not pick up, but perk up. You know, it's like the guy who's dead, the, the, the dead where the body got shot and you say, Oh, you know, I feel pretty good. I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> here's a, here's my, here's my final bid for this week. This is just amazing because amidst all of this, amidst the promises uh, that uh, President Barack Obama made uh, about closing Guantanamo Bay, which has just kind of fallen off the radar. No one talks about that anymore. It's like, ah, I can't do it. Ah, it's an, uh, well, whatever. Hey, we got another earthquake. Um, of course, there's gays in the military. And even at the State of the Union, the president said, yeah, we're going to get rid of this don't ask, don't tell. You know, you should be able to be gay and in the military. And that's fine. And by the way, I'm totally okay with it. Just to set set that in stone, I do not care. However, uh, there was a uh, Senate hearing, and General Sheehan, John Sheehan, a former NATO commander, says this is not a good idea, and he has proof, John. He has proof that it is very bad to have gays in the military. Would you like to hear his proof and his actual example of why? Well, I'm game. Here we go. You're gay or you're game? Game. Oh, okay. Here we go. Check this the European out. European militaries today are a product of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Nations like Belgium, Luxembourg, the Dutch, etc. <coughs> firmly believed there was no longer a need for an active combat capability in the militaries. As a result, they declared a peace dividend and made a conscious effort to socialize their military. That included the unionization of their militaries. It included open homosexuality demonstrated in a series of other activities with a focus on peacekeeping operations because they did not believe the Germans were going to attack again or the Soviets were coming back. That led to a force that was ill-equipped to go to war. The case in point that I'm referring to is when the Dutch were required to defend Srebrenica against the Serbs. The battalion was under strength, poorly led, and the Serbs came into town, handcuffed the soldiers to the telephone poles, marched the Muslims off, and executed them. That was the largest massacre in Europe since World War II. Did the Dutch leaders tell you it was because there were gay soldiers there? It was a combination. But did they tell you that? That's my yes. question. They, they did. They included that as part of the problem. That there were gay soldiers <laughs> that there, among the, the combination Dutch. was the liberalization of the military, a net effect of basically social engineering. <laughs> How unbelievable is that? Gay Dutch soldiers. Yeah, that's what that's yeah, that, that, they, that's they, what they, that's why that thing fell apart there. Maybe yeah, yeah. yeah, it had nothing to do with Clinton and Soros and any of that. No, it was it the, nothing the, to do with being those, surrounded. Yeah, those pansies, those pansies that just gave up because they're all gay. You know, it was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> that's a beauty. That's uh, it's just, just unbelievable that he can say this. Wow, I'm surprised the Dutch don't get up in arms. Oh no, they that. oh no, they they are pissed off. Oh yeah, no, this this is uh, well. Let's it, get a follow up story next week. I want to hear what they said because it sounds more to me that the the the, the group was poorly led, and they got outflanked, caught. You know, they had to surrender, get killed, and they 
tied him up to something. You know, I'll to make it worse. I, I, I think they're shooting him. I, I'll make it worse. I think the Dutch were set up. I mean, there's a, there's a lot about Srebrenica that nobody knows. And boy, oh, okay, that makes even more sense. Yeah, no, they were up. they were set up, set up, completely yeah. set up. And then they, then you, then when all is said and done, you blame the gays. <laughs> <laughs> Most gay guys I know could beat me up real easy. Well, most of them around here. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they beat me up with one shit. one arm tied to a telephone pole. It's unbelievable that this stuff is, you know. Uh, that's a beauty. Yeah, yeah, that's a gem. I give you another point for that. Yeah, thank you. So uh, let's finish off this this thing, and uh, play, we're going to play the little uh, post office uh, game at the end here, and uh, with this uh, Jackie Spear, a California congresswoman who seems to be in, more interested in what's going on in Ohio than she is in the health care debate. And uh, I'd just like to mention that uh, noagendastream.com is uh, starting to come to life as the, the transition takes place uh, on our side of the, of the interwebs. Hope it's happening on your side. Uh, two interviews coming up. One that I'm working on is with Russ Baker. He is the uh, author of Family of Secrets, um, which is about, uh, which is a book he wrote, which started out about George W. Bush, but very quickly led to George H. Walker Bush. I just ordered it. Oh, you you are going to freak out. And it's well documented. This guy is a, a real journalist and he has footnotes for every quote, every source. People are on record. It's uh it's phenomenal. So I want to get this, but I I I want to read the book basically twice. I figure I'm I'm going to get the guy cuz he doesn't get a lot of airtime cuz you know like, you know, that would be like bad exposing the uh exposing uh, the elitist uh, Bush Both Clinton crime family. Exposing anything. Well, it's the Bush Clinton crime family. They are they are the mob. They are a crime family. And and I'm sure there's stuff in that book that he might talk about on the stream that he couldn't put in there. Uh, and I'd like to know some things like Boys Town, USA. There's some, some things I'm just going to zing him on. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, after our uh, Porn in the Morn episode of Thursday, I have uh, lined up for the future on the stream... A uh, a uh, a porn performer who would like to uh, oh yeah here we go come on the Howard show Howard Stern comes to life it has nothing to do with Howard Stern whatsoever okay no not at all no I mean there's a lot more in porn that you don't know about that I think would be very interesting and then the week after that anybody you know that like Lear or some of the flying saucer experts. <laughs> I got plenty I mean, of those. If you going on this child porn thing, you better start bringing the flying saucer well, I'm a, Yeah, I'm a little worried about that. Uh, that's why it's all in the show notes. Oh, uh, are we sending out a show notes email blast? Uh, not yet. Okay. We're, still, we're still collecting names. I don't want to pull it off the site. Okay, so make sure you go to the show notes at noagendashow.com, kerr.com, or dvorak.org, and uh, fill in your email address, sign up for our show notes email list, and please consider supporting us. Because once again, we've gone over our two-hour mark, and I think we've provided some value for we you. We appreciate some help. That. Yeah, we do. Uh, that's Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, and noagendashow.com. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower in Southern California, the People's Republic, that is, in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, a place that doesn't exist, but it seems to be here, I'm John C. Dvorak. I'll be back with you probably Tuesday with Daily Source Code at NoAgendaStream.com and certainly on Thursday for early service right here on No Agenda.
Recognition. Madam Speaker, that the House suspend the rules and pass H.R. 4840. Clerk will report the title of the bill. H.R. 4840, a bill to designate the facility of the United States Postal Service located at 1979 Cleveland Avenue in Columbus, Ohio, as the Clarence D. Lumpkin Post Office. Pursuant to the rule, the gentlewoman from California, Ms. Spear, and the... The gentlewoman from North Carolina, Ms. Fox, each will control 20 minutes. The chair recognizes the gentlewoman from California. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I ask unanimous consent that all members may have five legislative days in which to revise and extend their remarks. Without objection. I now yield myself such time as I may consume. The gentlewoman may proceed. Madam Speaker, I rise in support of H.R. 4840, a bill designating the United States Postal Facility located at 1979 Cleveland Avenue in Columbus, Ohio, as the Clarence D. Lumpkin Post Office. H.R. 4840 was introduced by my colleague, the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Tiberi, on March 12, 2010. It was referred to the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, which reported it by unanimous consent on March 18, 2010. It has the bipartisan support from 17 members of the Ohio delegation. Mr. Clarence Lumpkin was born in 1925, spent years as a community activist in Columbus, Ohio. He is often affectionately referred to as the Mayor of Linden, a neighborhood in the northeastern part of the city. Among his many, many accomplishments, Mr. Lumpkin has helped the Community Development Block Grant Task Force, persuaded the city to separate storm and sanitation sewers to stop basement flooding, led anti-drug marches throughout Columbus, made Linden the first inner city community with lights on every residential street and improved the Linden area by including the point of pride concept that was first shared with the city leaders in a speech given in 1974. Before moving to Linden, Mr. Lumpkin served in the United States Army and he's a veteran of World War II. Madam Speaker, Clarence Lumpkin has spent his life serving his community and his country, doing everything he could to improve the lives of his fellow citizens. I urge my colleagues to join me in honoring this great American by supporting this resolution. I reserve the balance of my time. Gentlewoman from California reserves. The gentlewoman from North Carolina. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and I thank my colleague from California for yielding time. I yield myself such time as I may consume. The gentlewoman may proceed. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I rise today in support of H.R. 4840, introduced by my colleague from Ohio, Mr. Tiberi, designating the United States Postal Service located at 1979 Cleveland Avenue in Columbus, Ohio, as the Clarence D. Lumpkin Post Office. Growing up in the poor rural South in a family of sharecroppers, Clarence D. Lumpkin has had his fair share of challenges, but that has never deterred him from moving moving ahead. Mr. Lumpkin picked cotton as a youngster from sunup to sundown, served lunch to turpentine workers, and at the age of 10 lost his mother who'd been bedridden for most of his life. He entered the first grade at 12 years old. Hungry for knowledge, Mr. Lumpkin was a model student who studied constantly.
constantly. After graduating from high school, Mr. Lumpkin joined the Army, where he served in New Guinea during World War II. After the war, he moved to Ohio, where, over a period of 41 years, he worked a number of jobs, finally retiring as chief of the Enforcement Division in the Department of Highway Safety's Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Mr. Lumpkin is a remarkable man who came from a very difficult childhood and turned his experience of hard work into service to his country in the Army and lifelong service to his community, where he has truly made a difference every day in people's lives. In gratitude for his service, I ask all members to join me in supporting H.R. 4840. And I reserve the balance of my time. The gentlewoman from North Carolina reserves. The gentlewoman from California. Uh, I continue to reserve the balance of my time, Madam Speaker. The gentlewoman from California reserves. The gentlewoman from North Carolina. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield myself such time as I may consume. The gentlewoman is recognized. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Madam Speaker, as, as my colleagues have said uh, today, and I have mentioned also, uh, we are here this week. We're here on a Friday afternoon. We're not normally here because our colleagues across the aisle, along with the president, have decided that uh, it is time for the government to take over one-sixth of our economy.